Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport, it's Series 15, Episode uh, number 3 this week, number 3, uh, if that's your number, uh, it's your turn in the queue, just after 3 o'clock in the afternoon where I am, and that is at the World Centre of Speed, Daytona International Speedway for the Rolex 24 Hours at Daytona, more about that later in London, it's just after 8 o'clock. And that is where our executive producer, Tim Gray, is. Good evening to you, Tim. Good evening, John. Oh, you've got a bit quiet. Have I? And on a packed programme tonight, we have what? We have all the usual features. We have a number of guests. Uh, We have some good news. Uh, We have uh, possibly some Spanish news. Uh, We have uh, some things that we need to talk to Shay Adam about. And, most exciting of all, for uh, Nick Damon, we have a preview to the absolutely new season of the World Rally Championship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, mm, okay, that's good. Uh, that'll be Ben Constantiris, who will be reporting from the end of uh, some of the stages in the Monty uh, uh, when that gets underway, good luck to him in that new endeavour and knock it out of the park. Uh, right Turn Lover has been on at Spectatainment and said, Blessed are the radio makers. Obviously, that includes all manufacturers of Audible Entertainment. The Swiss Listener Collective, not to be confused with the Listener Collective of Switzerland, standing by for midweek motorsport. I like what you did there, RTL. Uh, keep your uh, comments coming in, please. Uh, Richard Robinson says, is it RS1 or RS2? It's RS1, even though we're in a IMSA radio venue. We're on RS1 at the moment. And, of course, uh, uh, rest in peace to Terry Jones. That's what was the uh, RTL uh, comment, by the way. Uh, The Angry Pothole, which is a brilliant (laughs) persona on the Twitter feed. Uh, Apologies for options. uh, Apologies for absence. Not as if I've got too much speaking this weekend. At a course learning British Sign Language for the next few Wednesdays, but we'll catch up on podcast while walking the dog. Well, uh, Christopher Matthews getting ready for my own. uh, British Sign Language, and here's a message for you. Oh, yes, very good. Right, excellent. Uh, Christopher Matthews getting ready for his own four hours of work later on, catching up on what he missed. Also, uh, you can't have a midweek motorsport from the Rolex without this. I'll go and have a look at that in a moment. Uh, Steen, race boy, catching the... Uh, he's, he's going to watch a Will and Colin show in town. When life gives you Swedish punk music, you have to take it. It'll be on the podcast later on. 
Uh, listening on the flight down to Florida is Danny. Uh, not listening now at the moment. Jules is listening out of bridge uh, on his way home, accompanied by Midweek Motorsport. Daniel Harvey Dyer listening live tonight for the first time in 2020. Metalwork being done by Preston Buckley listening live. Carol Brink at Monterey tuned in uh, from home and from Coachella. Oh, hello to Kevin as well then, the rock star of the uh, vegetable world. Uh, Chris Humphreys is tuned in for his first live as well. Looking forward to the 24 this weekend. Uh, and I think quite a lot of us are, to be honest. Uh, Moni and... Billy, who should have been here this weekend, but have up sticks and moved. Their whole life is changing. Billy's got a new job on the other side of the country. They are navigating around San Francisco, heading up to Oregon and tuned in. Uh, Good luck. You're sort of doing the trip that Eve and I did when we did uh, Rensport back to Road Atlanta, except in the opposite direction. I noticed you've been through Winslow, Arizona uh, and... uh, Las Vegas, outside the new Raiders Stadium. I've stayed in the Holiday Inn right opposite there. That's good. Uh, Matt Hunt is tuned in as well. Three is the magic number, says Alan Prosser. He's tuned in to Jean Chauvet as well. Uh, and what else have we got there? Jesse's in. John Mayer, Scott, listening live for work at the Nissan Arizona Test Centre. Oh, that's pretty cool. Thanks, Scott. Good to know that. Uh, and, well, just... Keep, keep in touch. And Sarah Rigby, looking forward to this weekend. So much race action to follow. And fabulous to hear that uh, Aston Martin have signed up Andrew Watson to replace Paul Dallalana in the Vantage. I think we'll be talking quite a lot about him this weekend. Uh, final one from, final couple for here. Sergio Nascimento, Adam Bowman and Daniel Summersgill listening on the way home from Sunderland after finishing his master's work. Okay. Uh, let's get to, to the top story. Voice. Wow, very good. Is he a small? Is he a small terrier? Oh, hang on. First live listen ever at work. Changing some brakes on a Toyota Camry. Says Dustin. Good luck, mate. Don't forget the cotter pins. Do they still have them? I don't know. Probably they not did in my day. Well, there's so many different variants of the Camry, aren't there? Did he say which country he's listening in? No, he didn't. Right, let's crack on. What's the top story? Play the jingle. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And we start with some good news. Right. Hooray! Excellent. I was waiting for hooray from someone. Uh, Mm. Last week we reported uh, that uh, Birmingham City Council had decided uh, not to uh, give Birmingham Wheels uh, an extension. And this mm-hmm. week we can report that they've changed their mind. Yes, in a vault fast. Johnny Palmer is our Birmingham Wheels correspondent um, <laughs> and is with us this week. Remember, he alerted it to, uh, us to this at the end of last season. And the uh, when we were, I think when we were on, if it wasn't the show of the year, it was the one before. Complicated situation. We ran through some of it last week. Uh, and the upshot is that the, the licensees, one of whom we talked to last week, Phil Bond, uh, have been given at least a stay of execution, JP. It seems so, yes. Uh, certainly for the rest of 2020. Now, the fear was that everybody would have to move out on the 31st of January with um, 
well, the, 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 the rent up and a significant amount of money owed as well. And, uh, you know, it isn't just the stock car track, but the, the, that track is used for all sorts of different purposes. It's a great karting venue there as well. And, uh, you know, various other I- I things to do with probation services and re- rehabilitating people uh, who may have uh, been in prison, all that sort of thing. Um so it's a great venue, and you know, you know, I was speaking earlier on. It's also condemned land as well. So I'm not really sure what the plan was for it moving forward, as far as the council is concerned. This climb down is ridiculously fast, though, and I just wonder whether they were hurried into a decision that they hadn't, you know, seen from front to back uh, all the details required about it. And uh, plenty of people weren't happy about it. I was pleased about how many people signed the Got online petition. It. Yes. Um, and it, it's rocked a huge amount of boats, and I don't think the council expected this backlash. And all of a sudden, they've gone. Well, yes, maybe we need a bit more time to consider. You can have the rest of this year at least. Uh, local BBC TV, Midlands Day, have been all over it. They've, yep. they've had people on there. Um, I, we tried to get someone on from the council last week, and I sent through a whole load of questions. Um, the council have been trying to claim that the. Birmingham Wales Limited was a privately owned limited company, and I, I that's not actually quite true. It's a company limited by guarantee. It's also a, a charity which was saddled with a £614,132 debt uh, that went into their accounts in 2018, allegedly for, for rent arrears. But we haven't been able to get any answers from Birmingham City Council as to where those rent arrears came from, when they started, uh, and to what uh, they were... Uh, to what they applied to and which years they uh, applied to. Let Put all that to one side at the moment. There's still clearly some questions to be answered there. Um, what we're hearing is the likelihood is that the, the, the current licensees, who, who've never been in debt, by the way, mm. real, alleged or otherwise, um, they've always paid up on time, into a business that now I've looked through the accounts at, at Company House, was was all right. It was certainly more than Whiteman its face most years, did a little bit of some than others, but being a non, not-for-profit, they, they kept a, a few quid uh, back for a rainy day, so if, if they lost a few quid one year, they could make that up from their uh, from their their reserves, if you will. But the suggestion is that, that the, the current licensees, all who, who have flourishing businesses there, let's be honest, uh, will be allowed to stay on perhaps until the end of this year. Sorry, answer that one first. Well, I believe so. And, and I mean, the, the, the issue was um, there's always a New Year's Day meeting on the, the stock car track, Birmingham Wills, that had to be cancelled. And then a calendar is released for the forthcoming year before the end of January so everybody knows where they stand and you can, you can start to put dates in diaries, that sort of thing. And, you know, there are big championships within the stock car world, like the Brisker Formula One Championship and the uh, National Hot Rod Championship as well, and NHRPA will want to assign dates so that mm. they can have a calendar which not only visits, visits wheels but other short ovals around the UK as well. And that's all had to be on hold, I believe. Um, I think the calendar was all already drawn up, but it couldn't be published until this... The Sword of Damocles this, uh, was, was removed. taken away, yeah. indeed so, yeah. What we still haven't got the bottom of, and, and the council have not answered a key question... Right, this is all good news, and, and Tim's right, it is good news. But the key question is, um, within the Area Action Plan, the AAP, which I've now read, uh, and it's I, I think it, I said it was 14 hectares out of 580, uh, this little parcel uh, of land. Within the Area Action Plan, there is a commitment by Birmingham City Council to uh, rehouse, effectively, 
the businesses there with facilities as least as good as they've got or allow them to continue. Uh, and this is because this is a sporting venue. Uh, it seems to have been accepted as such, although I can't get those actual words on a piece of paper or a statement from mm-hmm. the council uh, at the moment. Um, so, yeah, good news for now, but but still some uncertainty going further forward as to whether this is going to be subsumed by this huge industrial and, and housing development for, for an area of the city that needs it. Let's And, and, and everybody, even the, the people concerned, have said, look, it's a great idea, but why do you need our 14 hectares? But we still don't know... Um, no one from the council has been able to tell me if the process has been started or if any land or premises have, have been have been identified. And that must be a little worry going further forward. I think it is. But I think that, you know, first of all, what the, the licensees wanted was some sort of discourse with the council. And it appeared that the door was being slammed right in their face. They didn't have a right to put forward their side. And, and the intriguing thing was the council almost said, we're not going to talk to you until we get beyond the 31st of January in the deadline. So uh, move out, and mm. then we might start talking to you afterwards. Well, the, you know, the, the horse has already bolted by that point to me, and that would have been a, a crazy thing to, to have done. So I think let's learn more about it. Let's let's learn. I mean, the difficulty is the licensees, I think, are caught between two issues here. They are properly the middle people. They've done they've, all that they needed to do, as you say, paid the rent on time. Uh, they're running sound businesses that are either wiping their face or or uh, creating a little bit of profit. And but the, but the issue is they don't own any of the land. It's always been rented. They're this lease. So um, the council, I think now, need to go away and really do some hard work. We, we, it, all these decisions seem very, very rushed to me. So, okay, let's spend the rest of 2020 um, getting everybody around the table and talking about, you know, where the council want to go and where the licensees mm. want to go as well. But yes, you're right. It's a sporting venue. So I think, I mean, this is the point that uh, Philip Bond, who you had on last week, and also his son, Mark Bond, who used to be the Inca Race promotion, and they now run motorsport, motor racing live at Birmingham. This is enshrined in law that they must provide an alternative premise if they are to be evicted, effectively, yeah. because it's a sporting venue. So, you know, fine. That Move said, us out of poli- Landor Street, but you've got to find us somewhere else. That said, the there's a political argument going on between the two major parties uh, in Birmingham City Council about green space being taken up and, and playing field space being taken up by the Labour Control Council for, for development. And this right ahead of the 2022 Commonwealth Games, as we've mentioned uh, before. There's, there's undoubtedly people trying to make political capital out of it on both sides, and some of the timeline... Uh, looks very close indeed to when the administration changed. I I think cautious optimism and and keep our eye on what's going on. We're not letting this one drop and I'm still still pushing the council for answers to some fairly fundamental questions, including why they saddled a company that they control with 600 grand's worth of debt that went out to nearly 800 grand um, without being able to justify that. Certainly they haven't done that to my satisfaction yet. The picture's far brighter than it was. I mean, you know, seven days ago, it all looked very, very bleak, and I'm delighted now that the council have seen a little bit of sense and, and sort of, you know, allowed, hopefully, the rest of 2020 to run. There's paperwork to be filled in, I know, this week, and I think there's going to be a lot more paperwork further down the line as well. But um, the council know that Birmingham Wheels is not going to give up without a fight, and there's a big collection of people now that want it to continue. That's Johnny Palmer. You're listening to Midweek Motorsports Series at 15. Uh, episode number three from uh, one short track oval to rather a larger track oval, which we are Before looking we out that, over at the moment. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Because uh, we have more good news. 
Mm-hmm. It's not just Birmingham Wheels which has been saved this week. Mm-hmm. The Eftland ring has also been saved. Oh, really? Yes. Right. Uh, and this is an. If I'm honest, I wasn't sure it was under threat. But well, it has been. Uh, but it's been saved by environmentalists because of a rare breed of toad or something. Uh, no, because uh, the people who wanted to demolish the Eftland Ring, which is a uh, cart track uh, near the German village of Kirpen, you might understand why that's famous. Um, I drive past it quite a lot. Yes. When I'm in Europe. Um, a young lad called Schumacher drove round it quite a lot. Um, Owned by his father. It was threatened by people who wanted to demolish it uh, for some open-cast coal mining. Oh, goodness gracious me. <laughs> it's all the rage these days. If there's one thing that's... Over uh, 19th century. If there's one thing that's less environmentally friendly than motorsport, it's <laughs> coal mining. <laughs> so, Open cast coal mining at that. I so want to see the evidence. Airfowl oh, uh, have, uh, have been told, no, your permit is declined uh, and uh, the... Eftland Ring can continue to be a karting centre. Uh, Dave Olcott has just tweeted in, I'd speak to him, why would any council destroy perfectly good businesses which employ many local people? A facility which is clearly popular amongst locals. It has a community aspect. Uh, it doesn't seem to be any rational reason. Uh, well done to everyone who's been on the story, uh, including you guys at Midweek Motorsport. Well, from small tracks to big tracks, we're looking out over the Daytona facility here from a lofty perch just towards uh, about 15, 20 feet past the start-finish line, although many feet above it. It's Ferrari Challenge North America that's out there at the moment practising. Jeremy Shaw uh, joins us on the show. and delighted to have Jeremy always on Midweek Motorsport, even more so when I can just look across to my right and see him there, rather than having to stretch technology all the way to, to California. Uh, Season starts started a couple of weeks ago at the Raw. You, Brian and Shea were here for the the prototype challenge. But in many ways, the IMSA season, certainly for the, the major championships, th- this is it. People are focused now and, and they're getting ready to go. They are. And we were, you know, they were all, all the teams here were testing uh, three weeks ago for the Raw. And that went very, very well. It was exciting. And I think it bodes well for what should be not only a great race on Saturday, Sunday, but also the, for the season as well. We, we had Mission Pilot Challenge a little while ago, and you will be able to, to download that as a podcast. We'll, we'll stick it in somewhere as well in the, in the playout before we're back with live coverage from here in the morning. 51 cars in the Mission Pilot Challenge, uh, 18 uh, TCR cars, the rest, the, the GS, the GT4 cars. I mean, that's our, that is our uh, feature race on Friday. Yeah. And man, if 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 that's the aperitif, you know, I mean, that's that's mouth watering. There'd, there'd be many series who would give their eye teeth for that as the main race. Well, yeah, I mean, fifty-one cars is is stunning, as you say. Thirty-three GS cars, absolutely fantastic, and uh, and uh, it's we, we, the practice session that took place just a little while ago the first official practice of the weekend was held in damp conditions so not really representative i don't think of anything uh, but uh, we know we're going to be for in for a dogfight on friday it's going to be that is going to be a lot of fun some new cars um, lots of new cars new teams particularly uh, and new and some some teams 
running new cars as well. I think probably the most significant of those would be the Core Motorsport team, which was uh, sort of kind of grew out of Rahagan Racing, Larry Rahagan and Dean Martin. Dean Martin, I mean, his whole family has been involved uh, with Ford for decades. Dean himself was a, got was a blue oval inside, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely right. You know, I think if you cut his wrist, he'd be blue blood that comes <laughs> yeah. out, not red. Uh, um, but uh, you know, but you know, he he runs cars for customers. Uh, Nate Stacy being one of those, along with Carl Marcelli, who drives the number sixty car. Uh, they've run a Ford Mustang GT for the last several seasons, but they want to move up. Uh, Nate Stacy wants to drive a GT three car, uh, and also you know he's, he's trying to see you know what what is there any help out there from anybody. Um, and Ford, you know, they don't have anything at all right now. They weren't even, the, t- the original conversation, they weren't even going to be running any kind of a Ford young driver program, although that's changed now with the NASCAR drivers continuing again as it did last year. And that's year. worked well for them, in fairness. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, as I say, Stacey moves wants to move on, so he wants to kind of build a relationship and, and foster that relationship. With a manufacturer with he can then move up with, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and so the Aston Martin came up as one of the Perfect. options. They said, yes, we can get a car. I mean, the order for the car was only made right before Christmas. Uh, it, the car arrived, I think, on, on January the 9th. It was air, air freighted over here, which isn't cheap. Um, and they had a, a brief shakedown. They've been flat out preparing the car for the race with, this weekend. So uh, Core Motorsport will be running uh, an Aston Martin for the very first time. It's the first time that Dean Martin uh, has ever worked on anything uh, in terms of racing other than a Ford. Uh, and that is a good move because there's so much of that car and that they'll be able to tr- have as transferable skills mm. and moving up when they do move up to a GT3. Very much so. I saw Nate Stacey this morning and the, the cockpit of the GT4 car is pretty much identical yes. to the GT3. So To the point where you've got to remind yourself some of the other, even the works drivers have told me, I, you know, sometimes I've got to remind myself I'm in a GT4, not a GT3, not as much downforce, you know, and I'm getting, yeah, sometimes I'm arriving same. at corners slightly quicker than I would do in a GT3 because mm-hmm. they're a bit slipperier uh, in, a, in a straight line, yeah. so it can cause some problems. Yeah. That's Mission and Pilot Challenge. We'll talk more about that with Shea uh, later on, and that's the Friday race, and of course, if you're outside the US, you will be able to watch that in sound and vision with uh, no interruption from ad breaks uh, on the, our usual syndications and on radio-show.co.uk on the IMSA stream there. Um, the big show is the Rolex 24. Now, we've got bad weather now. Let's hope this is bad dress rehearsal, good first night, as they say. We, we suffered from that last year. Rolex this year, you can't get away from it. It hasn't got the numbers of entries that we've seen in the past. There's been a lot of talk about that. But, Jeremy, there's quality right through the Rolex entry this year. Well, I mean, don't I always say, give me quality uh, over quantity any time. Uh, you know, this is the, the the smallest field ever for the Rolex 24. The, in 2010, there were 44 cars here. Uh, also in 2003, actually. Uh, we're down to 38 now. But hey, look, every single one of those 38 cars is capable of being, at the very least, in the top uh, three or four in its class. Um, and... Um, really challenging for wins so you, the, you you certainly weren't able to say that when there were 60 70 cars no. in the field and even last year okay you know it's down quite a bit from last year there were 47 cars here one year ago so yes it's 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 not trending in the right direction but again there's no lacking in the quality we're not in overall but LMP2 is fabulous. Yeah. The, the, we talked about it at the state of the series at Road America uh, about whether the measures put in place by uh, Scott Atherton, as as was then at the head of IMSA, and the rest of the team were going to work. It's not part of the championship for LMP2. There's still a Rolex up for grabs. 
it's it has worked. It's brought cars out of the woodwork. They've been dusted off, taken out from underneath the sheets or whatever. And the people who asked for it, nicely done, have actually delivered and said, listen, if you do this, we will bring a car. And they have. They have, yeah. I mean, there should have been potentially a couple more cars here. The rare racing entry that was withdrawn just this week. They had trouble finding funded drivers to, to, to fill that car. Also, the number 51, the second of the PR1 Matheson Motorsports, because that won't be here either for the same reason. Um, so, uh, you know, but, to, but as you say, other than that, it, it is good to see uh, teams and drivers in those cars. And, uh, and I think we are going to be up to more of a count closer to the six or seven, i.e. more than the five that we're going to have this weekend mm-hmm. for the rest of the season for LMP2, which I think is great. Personally, I would still love to see the LMP2 cars unstrangled so and that they, the could, they, could, they could go for the overall, at least on the pace side of things. Uh, but that's obviously not going to happen. Um, but uh, but still, uh, it's it's great to see LMP2 back again and being embraced by him, sir. Uh, and, and finally, because I know you've got to rush off because you've got the RIDC dinner tonight. Good luck with that. Sorry, I can't be with you. I've been jobbed over at one day tour to do some driver interviews. Um, at the front of the field, uh, prototypes, ah, it's all right. It's relatively healthy. Been a few changes in drivers and uh, swapping for, through teams. Will the order from last year continue over? There's no change in the in the formula, in the regulations, technically. So, you know, we saw the guys at the front of the field last year from Penske. Um, they need to deliver again, I would think. Um, are they going to have just as difficult a, a, a shot at the championship this year? Yep. Simple as. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, think, it, I think it's super exciting. Uh, I j- briefly saw Jeffrey Carter, who's the, the technical di- director at, at IMSA these days. He's the guy who sets the BOPs effectively, and and uh, he feels good going into the season. And having been at the Raw the other week, I, f- I, 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 I see no reason to argue with him. Um, I think it's going to be super competitive. Uh, and all of the teams, you walk up and down the pit lane, and you know they're all... Yeah, reasonably happy with 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 what they've been given in terms of the VOP, and uh, we will see. You know, has anybody been sandbagging and not you know putting forth their full effort? Well, we'll 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 have to wait and see. But I do think it's going to be a really open contest, and I'm excited certainly. Again, we'll race. have a little bit more of a, a discussion with Johnny and Chair after this. But I do want to. Well, I said finally, but I want one more. Yeah, no, no, from, rush, you, from from you is uh, the big story here. For most people, quite a lot of people, I would say, is the new Corvette. Yeah. Um, we've seen the road car. We've seen pictures. You've now seen the car running around here. I haven't as yet. Mid-engine Corvette, there'll be some people who'll be already rolling their eyes at that. But to remain competitive, that's what they felt they needed to do, both as a street car and a race car. It's not coming here to make up the numbers. There's a new Porsche as well. Uh, not as much as of, a, of a revolution for that car, more of an evolution. But n- neither of those teams come here to make up the numbers. And a slightly reduced, again, with no Ford uh, presence here in, in GT Le Mans. But again, that's going to be a crack and battle and Reese are here too. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we don't know that Reese is committed beyond this event yet. We hope they will decide to play uh, through the full season. That would be great. It would be a real shame if we didn't have the Ferrari on a regular basis. But, yeah, the Ford, it looks absolutely stunning. But the big shocker for me was the sound of the Corvette. I mean, it's the same engine as we've been using in the C7R for the last, what is it, five, six years, whatever it is. Um, but it sounds completely different. So, really? Yeah, totally. You were, you, 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 what was that went past? You, you wouldn't uh, know. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely different. So, and the new, and you, as you know already, 
uh, from the uh, WC, the new Porsche sounds completely different to yes, last year as well. So uh, we've certainly got some new sounds to get used to in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Jeremy, thanks for, for being with us this afternoon. You can get yourself sorted for RRDC. Uh, is there a, a guest tonight? Who's the, the guest? Uh, actually, I think the um, the, the main... The, it's not... Jack Roush, Jack Roush, I think, is the, oh, uh, the guest tonight. Right. So, yeah, yeah, so that's going to be quite good fun. Well, Johnny will yeah. be very happy about that. Yeah, that's absolute class. Jeremy, thank you. And you'll Pleasure. hear from Jeremy Shaw, of course, over the weekend. Our coverage over on RS2 of all of the action. We'll get Shea Adam down to fill Jeremy's uh, seat. Uh, before we leave this, uh, as... Tim hasn't interrupted yet, so we've got a wee bit of time. We're waiting for some drivers to come over as well. Uh, they are on their way. I'll just let Tim know uh, back in London. Um, Sarah Rigby will be uh, wanting to know what we think of the, the new Aston Martin uh, lineup, uh, And that, in, uh, in some ways, has been a little bit controversial, that Aston Martin. Uh, there's been one or two people who have um, just raised an eyebrow, JP, uh, from uh, that uh, that lineup that has added the Aston Martin junior driver to that. Now we were discussing this in the uh, the pilot challenge uh, earlier on, but the as far as the grading's concerned, Paul Dallalana's replacement is is another silver, so that's absolutely fine. Well, yeah, I mean Paul's a bronze, but uh, they weren't operating at their maximum for the combination anyway, and uh, the regulations state that you can have two silvers along with the platinum and the gold that they've already got. I, I know that they. Uh, the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit is Ross Gunn becoming a gold from a silver. Um, he's a works driver, though. But he's a works driver. Yeah. And uh, has he got a title? I'm trying to think. But they, they are, you know, he, he has been a silver for a number of years and uh, now steps up to being a gold. So um, a little bit of change around there. But it's great that, in a sense, the band was trying to get back together. Unfortunately, Paul Dallalan has um, gone and got himself injured in a skiing accident. So you can't have Paul oh. and Matthias Lauder and uh, Pedro Lamy back in an Aston Martin, which, of course, they were for a long, long time in the WEC. Bring in new driver, uh, a new partner in Ross Gunn. And uh, Andrew Watson, who was on the plane across uh, with me, actually, from Gatwick, um, got the call back in the last week I think um, and I know he's up against sort of two or three other guys as well potentially going to be in the car but very very excited to be about being here for the Rolex 24 sure if I may play devil's advocate because I do like that role okay. um, the one thing that I do not like um, in GTD it's supposed to be no factory effort it's supposed to be true pro-am sort of uh, a classification and in the press release announcing Andrew Watson as a factor uh, as a replacement driver for Paul Dallalana, they referred to all four of the drivers as Aston Martin Works drivers. I don't think that's true, though. That's how they themselves yeah, refer to the drivers. Yeah, I know, but I don't think that's true, because I don't think Matthias and Pedro are, are Works drivers anymore. That's what it said in their press release mm, as of January, whatever that was, 9th or, or so. So um, like being elected president, where once you're uh, elected president, you're always a president. You're always Mr. President, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Have we lost John suddenly? Uh, we've lost both John and Shay, in fact. Uh, hopefully we'll get them back. New season of the World Rally Championship gets underway this weekend. Uh, and to talk about it, uh, I'm joined by Ben Constant-Jewis from a mountain somewhere in France. Good evening, Ben. Uh, good evening, yes. Uh, very, very excited to another season of WRC. 
Uh, let's start with the calendar because uh, we thought we had a calendar and then last week it changed uh, because Chile has gone completely and Argentina has moved, not physically, but moved in terms of dates. Yeah, um, the, the actually it was on the cards for quite a while. Uh, I think before Christmas, Chile um, unofficially announced that they weren't able to do it due to political unrest, although Formula E were able to run obviously a race last weekend. Uh, so perhaps not necessarily the answer or the, the reason behind it. Um, there was quite big gaps in the calendar at the start of the season anyway between uh, Sweden, um, Argentina, Mexico and Chile. And there, so by removing one of them, it made an absolutely huge gap. Uh, so Argentina uh, moved back to the original place that it's been for the last couple of years, which is the last weekend in April. Um, it actually had moved away from its traditional date to a company uh, and allow the space for Chile. So um, back to back to how it was, but then a huge gap from Argentina uh, to the first of the European rounds uh, in Portugal, um, which is almost back to, well, in the way that rally works, it is back to back with uh, Sardinia. So, um, it's, so it's, uh, yeah, quite intense period, that bit, in comparison to Argentina a long time before. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, so a, a one weekend off between Portugal and Sardinia. Um, yeah, because which... they can't do, they couldn't do a back to back like you can do in circuit racing because you have the recce's on Monday morning. So, yeah. um, impossible to do a sort of one weekend then the next. So that that's the closest we get to having back to back rallies. There's a couple of others that are quite close together. Uh, Rally New Zealand, which is back uh, on the calendar this year, um, and Rally of Turkey. They're just three weeks apart. That's a long way to travel in three weeks. Yeah, they have a flyaway pack. Um, so there is basically two sets of um, equipment traveling around the world, the flyaways and then the Europeans. Um, so when you look at the, the flyaway pack, it will be coming from Kenya uh, to New Zealand. Kenya's in the middle of July, another new round. Very, very exciting to go back to the safari rally. Um, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a very vastly different rally to what we tend to be used to in previous years where it was very long stages, tough stages. The model for WRC doesn't really allow that anymore. So um, it'll be a very different rally safari, but we still get to go to Nairobi, which will be very exciting. Um, and then, as you say, New Zealand uh, back on the calendar again, effectively replacing uh, Australia, uh, who are charged with finding a new service park and a new place to do it because Coffs Harbour is kind of small. I mean, it's not. It's like doing a rally, not even in London or or in Manchester, but in a smaller town than that. Um, and so they couldn't find a place. They they looked long and hard. Actually, they looked at Bathurst as being the uh, the service park at one point, um, but they couldn't find the funding. So they've got a year now to, to work on it. And New Zealand is that stopgap. And and if New Zealand goes well and Australia can't find a place, uh, then New Zealand will be more permanently on the calendar. Uh, and the calendar, start, uh, calendar finishes in Japan um, at the end of November. And something that's been, been tried to be accompanied to the calendar for the last couple of years. They had a candidate date two years ago for last year's calendar. And then there was various political um, upheavals. But Corsica disappeared off the calendar. Uh, and uh, therefore... Um, upset certain people in the uh, in the very higher echelons of motorsport, um, so it had to be reinstated, and then Japan Japan got pushed back one extra year. Um, 
And it's really cool. It's going to be very, very exciting. Very twisty. Beautiful tarmac over in Japan. Um, obviously, with the, to- the Japanese fans, the Toyota Link as well. And it's really good, actually, to finish a season on tarmac um, because it takes away all the gravel variables that, that you have in, you know, in, uh, in Australia or, or previously in GB when we finished in GB. So it's been a long time since they finished in, on a tarmac rally. Uh, but universally, it seems to be accepted by the drivers. Well, you mentioned tarmac. There's not a lot of tarmac on this calendar. Just Germany and Japan, isn't it? Uh, possibly, yes. Because Corsica's now gone. Um, and you can guarantee that Germany's not going to be real tarmac. It's going to be slippery, greasy tarmac full of uh, vineyards. Because it will just be at the end of the wine, uh, the grape picking season. Uh, and we use mainly vineyard roads, very narrow roads. So they'll be in a right state. Um, so it'll be a bit like a gravel rally in uh, in Germany. But I think, uh, I haven't actually got the calendar in front of me, but I think you're correct in that there is no other um, true tarmac rally other than Monte Carlo. Of course, which is a bit of tarmac, a bit of gravel, quite possibly some snow. Yeah, I think a lot of snow actually this year. Um, it's been, it hasn't really snowed uh, certainly where I live in the Alps for the last 20 odd days, other than last Friday, which was a little sprinkling. But down in Gap, they've had snow on Monday. Uh, they've had snow on Tuesday. And the, the significant thing is it's super cold. So even in the days, that snow's not disappearing. It's not melting. Um, and if it is melting, then in the night, it's freezing again and creating ice. So I think it's going to be a super challenging Monte Carlo. Uh, let's move on to some of the drivers. Uh, there's been quite a lot of shuffling around uh, over <laughs> the winter. Uh, let's start at Toyota because we've mentioned them. They're going to be very happy with uh, ending the season in Japan and hopefully ending the season in Japan and crowning one of their drivers as champion. And the favourite's got to be Sebastian Ogier. Absolutely. Uh, it is, in theory, his last season in WRC. He's only got a one-year contract with Toyota and his two-year contract with Citroen last year um, was very much two years and then I'm retiring. So this is Sebastian Auger's last chance. If that Toyota Gazoo Racing uh, Yaris is reliable, and remember, Oit Tanak uh, did win the championship in that car last year, but they didn't win the manufacturers due to the lack of reliability, uh, then it should be a relatively easy task for Sebastian Auger. Um, he's jumped in. Uh, He's had four different cars in five years, starting with the uh, Volkswagen. Then he went to Ford, obviously, for a year, then Citroen. uh, And now he's in a Toyota. But that hasn't ever stopped him winning Rally Monte Carlo. He's won every uh, every single year um, and uh, he will always be in contention. He's got his faithful sidekick in Elvin Evans alongside him. Very instrumental in bringing Elvin into the team because Elvin did such a good job for him at M Sport. Um, and he really wanted Elvin to be that sort of support. So you've got Sebastian and Elvin. Then you've got the fiery uh, Finnish driver, Kali Rovampera, uh, who's absolutely dominated WRC2, the support category last year. Um, and he's had a bit of experience already racing in the Toyota Yaris WRC car um, in Lapland last weekend. Uh, I think we'll see incredible times from him, uh, but I'm not necessarily sure that uh, he won't get caught out a few times and push too hard and perhaps have a few accidents. But we'll, we'll wait and see. It was all triggered, this massive um, merry-go-round and uh, musical chairs by Oit Tanak leaving Toyota at the end of last year. Yes. And he's gone to Hyundai. 
yes. alongside Sebastian Loeb and Thierry Nerville. And, that, and Danny Sordo. And Danny Sordo. Who, Danny's not doing the full season, though, is he? Or is he? No, and neither Sebastian uh, Loeb. Loeb is, does six. Okay. Um, that's part of his contract. Uh, and he very much is uh, the person who chooses which six he wants to do. Um, then Danny gets offered the rest. Um, and as we saw last season, when Danny doesn't want to do it and Sebastian doesn't want to do it, uh, namely Rally Finland, uh, then they'll start looking for somebody else to come in. Um, and they're adopting that third car on a rally-by-rally rally basis, depending on the surface in which they start. Remember, if you're lower down in the championship, then you get a very good starting position uh, on that first day in gravel. The lower you are down, the higher you are starting on, uh, on the first day. That gives you a great competitive advantage. If you can bring in people into your car that are not scoring very many championship points, um, so get to Rally Finland and perhaps Loeb and Sordo have got some good points. Bring in a Craig Breen, bring in a Andreas Mickelson who've got zero points. They'll be first on the road on that first day, and they'll have sorry, not first on the road. They'll be um, further back, which will have a cleaner road, and therefore they will um, uh, have an advantage. Uh, and for the Manufacturers Championship, that strategy worked so well for Andrea Damo uh, last year to win the championship because he played musical chairs almost every single rally with Thierry Neville's teammates. This year, he's only got one option to do that. Last year, he had two. And it's Oitanak and Thierry will do the full season, um, spearheading a very, very strong team. Thierry with seven seasons under his belt at that uh, manufacturer, obviously Oit with the World Championship under his belt, coming in um, as a newbie. Very interested to see how he'll get on. The Hyundai and the Toyota drive incredibly differently. Um, and so excited to see uh, just how fast he can be uh, straight out the blocks. But don't expect Oit to be particularly, uh, let's say, successful um, in Monte Carlo. I don't think this is the rally where uh, you really you do need a car that you know exactly what's going on, especially when you hit those icy patches. And uh, and I'm not sure oh, it's quite there yet. But they've all done a lot of testing. Everyone's very happy with their cars. Uh, there's been no last-minute uh, announcements and no last-minute changes like we saw um, last year. So for the moment, whilst everyone is fit and healthy, and I say that because obviously we lost Elvin Evans last year most of the season uh, to injury, uh, that is, it's looking good. And um, I, I do expect to see more drivers at Hyundai in the middle of the year. And then we've got the M Sport Fords. Uh, the big name here is uh, Esapaki Lappi, uh, but also Gus Green-Smith and uh, Timu Sunanen. Yeah, so Esapaki Lappi moving across from the uh, Citroen team, who are no longer participating uh, in the championship. They blamed, if you remember quite famously, uh, Sebastian Auger leaving the team. I think he had a clause in his contract. I'm almost certain of this because when the Citroen was so bad in Germany, his wife tweeted some absolutely expletive um, content about the car. And, I, and she's an intelligent woman. Uh, and so I would not be surprised that she knew when Auger retired out of that rally that uh, he wasn't going to win the championship and therefore he was going to be leaving Citroen and almost all sure that Citroen probably leave the champion as well at that time. So um, that had left Esapeka Lappi uh, and Sebastian Auger without seats. But of course, we already knew that Oit was moving to Hyundai from Toyota. And therefore, Sebastian Auger was very clearly going to Toyota because they were the only ones that could offer him money. Ford 
the Ford M Sport team really traditionally don't pay a lot for their drivers. Um, when OJ came in there originally, he brought the Red Bull sponsorship with him. Um, and so this year, they had the options, really. Uh, they were the last people to fill their seats. And they had uh, Chris Meek, uh, who kind of was ready to retire. Yaromati Latvala, uh, who wanted to keep his Toyota Lynx. Um, so he will appear in a couple of rallies. I think he's got five on his calendar um, throughout the season to be a fourth car or even a fifth car for Toyota because they do also have uh, the Japanese um, Taku Katsuta um, coming in for, I don't know how many rallies he's doing, actually. Um, so, yes, they were left with Esapeka Lappi, which is, was the, the sensible option. Esapeka Young, even though he seems to have been around a long time, um, won in his first season, won one of his first rallies in, at Toyota, uh, then got moved across um, and chose to leave Toyota to go to Citroen last year. Uh, and now he's very much, I think, spearheading that Ford team. Although Timo Sunanen has been there for two, three years, uh, Espegalapi said in a, the preview show that he's never actually really spoken to Malcolm Wilson until he got into the negotiations for that seat said hello to him a couple of times, but he hasn't had a massive affiliation with Ford. So very excited to see how he can extract some pace. The Ford is a, a really comfortable car to drive. It's not knife edge stuff like the Citroen was. Um, and so I think we should see some good performances out, out, out of Esapeca. They've got a new engine coming for Argentina as well. Um, and they were the only last year was the only time they missed out on a win. Every manufacturer has had wins since the new regulations began in 2017 and Ford missing out last year, basically by about two kilometers. Because if you remember, Elvin Evans got a puncture on the last stage mm -hmm. of Corsica when he was going to take victory. Um, so I think we should see Esapeka with a victory again. Um, he's got good podiums last year with Citroen. Gus Greensmith learning every time. Gus Greensmith has lost 23 kilos over the winter. Okay, um, that's quite so a lot. He, it's quite a lot. I mean... He wasn't I imagine massive. if you lost 23 kilos, Ben, there'd be nothing left of you. Well, I, I would be very skinny. Uh, I think I would still survive, but I would be very skinny. I'm carrying a bit of Christmas weight. Um, but Gus looks absolutely incredible. I actually used to cart with Gus back in the day, although he wasn't called Gus then, uh, so I didn't really realise until I did a bit of Googling. Um, but he looks super skinny, super fit, changed his hair colour as well, uh, so he's got a bleach uh, white hair. And he's really taking this very, very seriously. Um, he just about got up to speed last year in his few outings where he was replacing Elvin. Um, but now with a nine-round uh, campaign, I think we should really see him starting to threaten the pack and starting to get in, in the mix every so often. Um, and Timo is solid. Timo had a really good start last year. Uh, then uh, he had he kind of lost confidence in his co-driver so he changed his co-driver to Jano Leitinen. Uh, and now uh, he was right back up there in the top threes at the end of stages. And again, a solid pair of hands. Not somebody I think is going to sort of shock you with stage times, but he's still very much there and thereabouts. So it's a slightly reduced field of WRC cars, um, obviously losing those two Citroens. But uh, we will see for the majority of the season, we'll see three Fords which is fantastic and, and great effort from Malcolm Wilson. Um, we'll definitely see three Hyundai's and we'll definitely see at least three Toyotas, uh, if not four or perhaps five. 
Okay, so you've mentioned Yerry Mashi, Latvala, Craig Breen and Andres Mickelson, none of them having full-time drives, but all of them with a good chance of appearing at some point during the season. What about Chris Meek? I spoke with Chris Meek at the Dakar because uh, he was drafted in to be a co-driver for Cyril Dupre uh, in a buggy. Um, uh, and at the very last minute, they found someone more famous in, in Mike Horn. Um, so Chris was there for the whole week, uh, really loving the Dakar. Uh, and he's very much put his WRC um, career on the back burner. He, he says, I'm 40. I can't compete with Oit Tanak anymore. Um, these guys are super fast and maybe it's time for me to, to refocus and to do something different. So he's keeping those options open. Uh, I think he is trying to be the development driver for Toyota's 2022 car, um, which is the new hybrid system uh, and actually a big rule change, not completely confirmed, but uh, they'll allow more scope of cars. So longer wheelbase cars going back to the Subarus uh, that we all, all remember and love. Um, and he's he's kind of hoping that that will be his role alongside perhaps being yeah, doing the Dakar. Uh, Toyota obviously have a works team now in the Dakar, so perhaps that's his uh, that's his focus. I don't think he's going to be pushing for a seat in WRC, but uh, if he's offered one, I'm sure he won't say no. And actually, I think all three of those are doing a historic rally uh, in Belgium in a couple of weekends' time. So they're all trying to keep their keep their hand in. Um, Andreas and Craig both still part of the Hyundai family even if there isn't the space uh, for them to compete in WRC cars as yet uh, and y- Yari Mati doing a privateer entry um, but things change uh, and we, as I say I, I met Craig Breen in Monte Carlo last year uh, and he said oh I'm going to go off and do a bit of karting um, you know <laughs> I'm just going to have a quiet R5 uh, Tarmac Irish Championship nothing much and then all of a sudden he was starring in Finland and getting great stage times and becoming a works driver for Hyundai and then got offered GB. And then he would have been um, in Australia as well. So there's one other person to remember for, for Hyundai, especially when it comes to the latter part of the season. That's um, uh, Padden, um, because you might remember he entered Rally GB uh, for Hyundai. Yep. Uh, no, for Ford, sorry. Um, even though he's a Hyundai ambassador in New Zealand um, and he rolled the car before, uh, he, well, in the test, in the pre-event test. So um, he never managed to make it to the start line, managed to find some sponsors for Australia. And then, of course, Australia was cancelled. So, um, yeah, uh, I think he may appear in a WRC car, at least for New Zealand. I'm not quite sure what, but as I say, he, he has an association with Hyundai. They are an event sponsor for uh, rally New Zealand and so that would be the logical choice even if it's a privateer entry um, and one more person I want to ask you about and that's Pierre-Louis Lube, the WRC2 champion yeah so he was WRC2 normal champion last year we had this really weird situation where you had WRC2 pro and then WRC2 um, so uh, Lube, I think, has been moved up into the WRC2 uh, category for this year um, with support from Skoda. But Skoda aren't doing a fully works team um, as they did last year. So if you want to enter WRC2, sorry, WRC2 this year, then that has, you have to be entered by a works team. At the moment, we have uh, Mads Osberg uh, driving a Citroen C3. Um, and that apparently is a works team. I'm not quite sure how that works. 
Uh, M Sport have entered two cars and Hyundai have entered two cars. And then you've got WRC3 this year. Yes. WRC3 is what was WRC2. And that is all of your um, uh, privateer entries. So we'll see a lot, obviously, of Frenchmen in Monte Carlo, people like Eric Camely. Um, I think Stefan Sarrazin will also be there. He tends to appear. Um, actually, normally do- Romain Dumas appears as well, but he's, um, uh, he was on, on Dakar and now he's focusing on being in Bathurst. So he won't be doing it this year. Um, uh, so Lube not appearing for Monte Carlo, um, but is a kind of semi-works driver for Skoda uh, for the rest of the season. Um, and it's trying to, they're trying to simplify this ladder this, to get into WRC. Yeah, so you're privateer... calling it Rally 1, Rally 2, Rally 3, Rally 4, Rally 5 now, which should make things simpler, yes? Yeah, getting rid of that pro thing. Um, I mean, it was a nightmare to try and voice when you've got WRC2 Pro, WRC2, uh, and they sometimes WRC2 Pro only had three cars, so that you were combining the two times, and um, yeah, very confusing. Interestingly, though, in WRC2 and WRC3, which use the R5 cars... Um, they are they have an open tire, so they don't have to use um, the the standard tire that the WRC cars have to use, and they have the ability to use uh, Pirelli or uh, Michelin. Okay. Um, and this is a bit of a talking point this year, um, because although everybody will be running on Michelins this year, if you go onto the WRC website, you'll notice there is no Michelin logos uh, underneath the kind of the sponsors area. Uh, that is because Michelin have pulled out uh, of being a sponsor one year before their contract ended. Um, so I, I'm curious to see how the tyres will look, uh, whether they will still have Michelin logos. There was some talk about them not being able to run uh, white Michelin logos and only being able to kind of just have the black rubber. Um, they will be Michelin. They will be exactly the same as last year, but there won't be the big branding and and Bendham wandering around that we saw in previous years. And then next year we go into Pirelli. So anybody running Pirellis in WRC2 this year may get a bit of a competitive advantage when it comes to moving into the WRC uh, for 2021. Uh, and finally, uh, WR, uh, sorry, Junior WRC. Yeah. Is that still called Junior WRC? It doesn't start this weekend. There's none of that at Monte Carlo. They, they begin in Sweden, don't they? They begin in Sweden. They were supposed to have Chile as one of their rounds, um, but unfortunately without Chile, they are going to now finish in WRC GB. Um, mm-hmm. That ruins John Armstrong's plans because John Armstrong has finally managed to get himself into junior WRC. He's, He's the esports uh, exactly. driver, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, that's why I bring him up because I love esports. Um, and he is... Um, so he's uh, he's been doing... He did a couple of R5 rallies locally, nationally, um, alongside doing virtually uh, the virtual world championship and, and won it two years ago. He came, I think, second last year. Um, but also it's run on WRC as a game and there's also Dirt as a game and he's actually a developer on Dirt. Uh, so there's a little conflict of interest there. Uh, but he's managed to get himself a proper seat. So it's been great to see uh, him running the full junior WRC program. However, the finals of esports is in GB and the finals of Junior WRC in GB as well. So he's not going to be able to do both, um, which is a bit frustrating for him. Uh, but I'm very curious as, as to see how he goes. I saw also Renis Nittis is on that entry list. Um, and you may remember that name from the World Rallycross Championship. So 
uh, he is another one to really look out for. Uh, very curious um, to see that switch. He's being tutored by um, Matthias Ekstrom as well. So he's got some good, uh, good support. The, the other um, name that I picked out from there was uh, Oscar Solberg, who is the son of Henning Solberg. Yeah, so we've got two sons, because uh, we've got Oliver Solberg. We've already got Oliver as Petter's son, isn't he? Yeah, and he's doing he's doing certain rounds in R5, uh, probably in WRC 3, I think, rather than WRC 2. Uh, but yeah, Solberg's everywhere. The, the, uh, they're all coming back into the four again. Um, and uh, I'm trying to find the entry list on my computer, but I can't find it. Um, uh, there, the other one that stuck in my head was the... Uh, the female racer, Katie Mullings, Katie Mullings, something like that. Um, so it's great to have some female representation as well uh, in the junior WRC. We had a one female last year, I think, um, but uh, she's doing the full season. OK, and, let's go back to the Monty then. Uh, Sebastian Oje is going to win it, isn't he? Oh, uh, well, he has won it for the last however many since 2013, I think was the last time Ogier was beaten. And Ogier was beaten by Sebastian Loeb at that point. Um, and Sebastian Ogier's won it every year uh, in different cars, uh, two times in a Ford, last year in the Citroen, Volkswagen before that. Um, but remember last year, it was only 2.3 seconds, the gap between Ogier and Thierry Neuville. Um, so I think Thierry's got a very strong chance of victory here uh, and I wouldn't put it past um, Sebastian Loeb to get in the mix either Loeb didn't have any testing going into Monte Carlo last year uh, jumped in the car and finished fourth uh, was very slow on the first couple of uh, stages especially the Thursday night stages um, and managed to make up that time so look out for Sebastian uh, Loeb he's had seven wins as has Sebastian Ogier so they're both tied on the most amount of wins that each manufacturer uh, sorry driver has had um it's not a rally or tanak has won it's not a rally that thierry neville has won the last time anybody not called sebastian and not french won was miko hervenen when it was an intercontinental rally challenge you remember the couple of yes. years where irc stole monte carlo uh, and made friends that uh, eurosport thing um and uh, going further back uh, marcus gronholm in 2006 was the last uh, non-French person to win in the WRC. And that was, of course, when the Finns uh, were, there were two Finns in the Ford World Rally Cross, mm. uh, World Rally Team, um, which we have now again. And we have that beautiful livery as well, which is kind of uh, flying the flag for Finland. So it's pretty cool. Uh, uh, but yes, OJ or Neuville or uh, Loeb would be my tips. And I don't know whether Loeb would be allowed to beat knowing knowing that exactly knowing that he's going to do six rounds um it would be foolish uh, and andre adamo is very much the man that plays the game uh he absolutely loves the strategy um and he makes sure that they maximize points everywhere uh, although his focus is on the manufacturer's championship not necessarily the driver's championship so maybe he could use that as a justification i don't know uh, and champion, who we're we going to be talking about at the end of November? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, it's just so difficult to know how Oit's going to adapt to the uh, to the Hyundai. I, I think that uh, it's got to be between the three men that we saw last year. Thierry, uh, hopefully back with renewed vigour. He kind of lost his steam after his massive Chile accident. 
um, Ogier in a Toyota, that has to be ultimately the fastest package. Uh, maybe not necessarily the most reliable. So Tanak in the Hyundai makes a lot of sense. Um, and then I think Elvin will get in the mix. I think, you know, he's a solid driver. Uh, and I think we should see him on the podium on a multitude of occasions. So I'm really curious to see how he gets on um, and expect also Esa Pekalapi to get a, at least one win uh, across the season, definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be very, very exciting. The other, there's a couple of other sort of talking points uh, from the start of the season, um, which I just want to touch on. Uh, mm-hmm. Number one, um, at the moment, Rally Sweden looks like Rally Finland. Um, there is no snow on any of the stages um, and we are what three weeks out from that yep. so a little bit of concern over whether Rally Sweden will be a snow rally um, because it's not just snow they need they need a base of ice and then they build that ice to make almost as though you're making an ice rink and that covers the gravel so it's so it's consistent when the drivers go over it if it was soft snow like you used to see on uh, Trophy Andros. I don't know if you ever watched that. Yes. You know, they would, after a couple of races, it, it would just be mud because um, they weren't able to create that solid base. There isn't even any ice around Sweden right now. So a bit concerned as to whether that event will happen at all or whether uh, it will end up being a gravel event. Um, I, I don't know if that's even a, a thing, if that's possible, if they can do that. But at the moment, it looks like a, a very cold gravel event. Um, uh, which for the middle of February is a bit of a concern. But there's definitely not lots of snow in Monte Carlo. There is snow forecast for the weekend. It's very cold. The very first two stages are run in the night. Um, My first stage is at 10.15 at night on the Thursday evening. Happy days. It's going to be bloody cold then. And I think it's about seven or 800 metres up. So um, the very first stage actually hasn't been run since 1996 or something. So uh, a, a new challenge for them on the very first stage, which is our TV live, and then the uh, and then the all live, and and if you don't know what all live is, you can watch every single stage, every single moment of every stage um, by subscribing to the WRC platform, which is very cool. Um, and a lot of people still don't know that, Tim. A lot of people don't realise that you can just subscribe, and you can have it on your computer all weekend, and it'll be listening or. Uh, and it's a bit like Rally Radio was, but you've got pictures now. Um, and so, if you're in the UK, you can also get that on BT Sport. Is that right? BT, yes, uh, on the button on BT Sport. It's hi- quite far hidden. It's quite hard to find. And if you're uh, like my father's age, then it's very difficult to find. He was struggling to work out what the red button was. No pun intended. Um, and, the red uh, button, that's the one that switches off the TV, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. There you go. I, I don't know how it works. Um and then ITV4 have got the highlights package on a, I think it's on a Tuesday, Tuesday night, uh, after yeah. the weekend. Yeah, so that's fantastic to go to be back on proper mainstream TV and uh, voicing that they're bringing back Neil Cole for the first one. Ooh. Very exciting. Yeah. Uh, which one are you most looking forward to? Which one am I? I'm looking forward to Kenya um, because I'm in Kenya for ages and we love the wildlife and the challenge of the rally. Uh, I love New Zealand. Uh, I was there at the end of last year and I did South Island. And obviously Rally New Zealand is in Auckland, it's in so it's Island, North Island. Yeah. So I can do both, which is going to be super cool. Um, and actually, I really love Rally Turkey. It's a massive challenge for the drivers. It's beautiful weather. It's a beautiful scenery. Actually, all the rallies are beautiful scenery. And uh, as somebody who likes motorsport and nature, WRC just ticks that box. And I'm, 
I'm rarely surprised on circuit racing about the performance of drivers because it's so hard to see how they are driving a car. But in WRC, you can really see how they throw that thing around, uh, how they thread it through trees, uh, and it constantly amazes. So if you haven't watched WRC for a while, uh, then do watch Rally Monte Carlo at the weekend. If you can get WRC Plus all live, then do it. Um, and it, hopefully it will surprise and, uh, and make you go, wow. Ben Costas, thank you very much. Thank you, Tim. Midweek motorsport, and don't you dare switch off now because the next hour is going to be even better. Great to hear that Ben is going to be on the stage finishes for the WRC. Joins us at Le Mans as well uh, this year. At Spectatement, if you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, we're restored to full health here at Daytona International Speedway, where we're getting ready for the Rolex. 24 at Daytona, all live across the weekend. We start on Thursday morning, tomorrow morning in the UK, uh, at uh, a reasonable time for you guys, because you're five hours behind us. And uh, we're going to start with the Mission and Pilot Challenge, which is where we'll go next. Not one, not two, but three Camaro drivers. Comes up next on Midweek Motorsport, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Joining us here live, gentlemen, thank you very much, and, and particularly thank you very much for uh, your your patience while Ben was giving us the, the rundown on the Monty at the weekend. Almost Monte Carlo rally conditions for you, Robin Liddell and uh, Frank Depew. Uh, Robin, you did, I think, what, half a dozen eight laps out in that uh, free practice ses- session in the Rebel Rock Camaro? Yeah, it's always, um, and, and thanks for having us on the show here, John. It's great to join you guys up here. Um, it's always tricky when you've got a wet session at the beginning of a weekend like that and you're looking forward to the weather for the rest of the weekend. You're sort of thinking, is there really any real need to be out there in these conditions? You know, you've got the banks and the walls and that sort of thing. So we did take a view after a few laps that we probably didn't want to do a lot of running. There wasn't a lot of point. Looks like the weather's going to be fairly decent, certainly on race day and probably tomorrow. Uh, we just did enough laps just to make sure everything was, was running well and to bed the brakes, to be honest. And uh, we were on some old rain tars, so we weren't really trying to set the world alight, but the car felt okay. And um, were fourth quickest at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so well, not setting the world alight is, is, you know, relative in your terms, clearly. Well, we actually had our winning tars from Road America, by the way, so <laughs> if that means anything. But those are the, we, took, we came in and we were like, those, these wets are rooted. We've, we've raced on those wets. And somebody's like, were they the wets we finished Road America? I was like, yeah, those are the winning tires. So actually, they're still good after six months sitting around. So Sign them and, and, and get them out there because that was the moment of the season. Frank, thanks for coming to, to talk to us. What a season for you guys last year. A uh, couple of race victories. You were the only team that, that won our Forge Line Wheels Spirit of the Race Award more than once. So not only did you do well on the track, but quite clearly your fan favourites as well. Right. Uh, well, yeah, thanks for that. We... Um we really started out kind of with a difficult start to the season. Um, I, I personally got to, uh, you know, wreck the car in the first three laps before our race. So that was their start at Daytona. But uh, in the last seven races, we really came on, uh, came on as a team. Um, I got up to speed a little bit better. And uh, with Robin and Andrew's help, I mean, you know, I, we turned out to be a, a, a competitive, very competitive team. You're driving, I'll say this, I said it in commentary, so you'll have heard me saying, saying it anyway, your driving really came on this year. It looked like 
there was a point in the season that all of a sudden, I don't know if it did, but it looked like something clicked and your right. confidence level went up. And what's more, I saw you smiling more as well, which I always take right. as a, a good sign. Was it one particular thing or was it a combination of things? Um, I think it was a combination of things. I, um, you know, I'd raced Porsche Club and NASA and a, a few things like that and uh, was relatively quick there compared to the competition. But this is like going from college basketball to the NBA. And so it was such a big jump. And sorry I don't have a, a you know, a, a, a soccer or football euphemism for the fans in the U.K. But uh, anyway, I, you know, that's what I was dealing with. And Robin really helped me because it was a number of things like uh, keeping my eyes up, looking through the corner, those kind of things that, that we worked on. And one sort of anecdotal thing is that we've actually – we showed up at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park a couple of weeks before, and we rented a Kia Forte, believe it or not. And we went out there with all the McLarens from FAF and all the GT2 RSs and everything, and we, we sat in that car together, and I drove, and Robin sat in the right seat, and pretty much, basically, it des- des- deservedly so, gave me a hard time for a long period of time, and he'd be... You're back to the you're back to the old Frank. I want to see the new Frank. <laughs> you know, whatever. So anyway, that went on and on. But it really it really helped me. And I'm not sure that that I would have been able to progress the way that I have without without him pointing out the nuances. And now he's taught me enough that I think I can continue to improve just using those tools that 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 Robin has helped me. I with. love the idea that you used that uh, magnificent performance machine that is the the Kia Forte here for, for, your, for your driver coaching. So much of, of motor racing, Frank, though, and you, and you know this now, uh, is it's in the head. It's about confidence. And, right. and as I said, your confidence level. I watched the way you were dealing with traffic. I watched the way you were doing your job, which is staying out of trouble, being consistent, and stay on the lead lap. And, and that seemed to get a lot easier for you through the year. And as I say, you were enjoying it as well. When that all clicks together, the enjoyment comes as well. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, you had a great season. Yeah, you had an well, absolutely thanks. great season. Um, any major changes on the car this year, in the, in the off-season? Well, the biggest change really has been personnel. We've kept the core group of guys. We've got a really good team. We're quite a small team. We've got, you know, eight crew members. Um, just Actually, just really one full-time guy at the shop. Um, you know, and he carries, you know, Joe Hall carries a lot of weight on his shoulders there. But... Um, Phil Pierce, who was our engineer last year, who's also local here to the shop. We're at the shops in Delan, which is 10 miles, you know, uh, west of Daytona, as you know. And, uh, you know, Phil was local as well. And so Phil was able to offer a level of support at the race shop, which was quite important. Of course, a lot of experience with Phil, you know, having been with Alex Job for many years. And I mean, Phil, you know, everybody around this paddock knows Phil, but I mean, Phil started sort of almost sweeping the floors. He'd done some mm-hmm. racing himself and been quite a decent driver. And then he started working for Alex and he did everything for Alex Job from sweeping floors to, you know, to mechanicking, to, to engineering cars and so on. So he had a great depth of experience, which he brought to bear with us at the right time in the right way, I feel. Well, we wanted to do, obviously, he's now running the Aston program in GTD, and we're super happy for him that he's got that opportunity together. But it was a loss when we lost him, obviously. What we've done is to fill that gap is we've actually gone back to Pratt & Miller. 
And so we've now got a Pratt and Miller engineer uh, wow. on board. Uh, for who, the of course, build the cars. We should say as well. Yes, and um, I mean, actually, this guy Charlie Ping, who we've got for this year, you probably remember. Charlie ran for those that have been watching this stuff for a wee while. Charlie ran the Auto House car when Jordan Taylor was running that GT Camaro against ourselves when we were running the Stevenson Camaro, and uh, we saw him do an extremely good job, and we knew he was a nice guy. And I, he's been. In the meantime, he's went to Indy cars, then he went to Aussie V8. So he's had mm. quite an interesting last sort of six or eight years. But I, I knew the individual, and one of the things is I think we've talked about before is I've worked quite hard to make sure we've got the right fit of people. It's important to have people that can do the job, but if you can't put them together, and I will say as a bit of a legacy thing that I mean, obviously we've got Andrew standing here as well, who as you know I've driven with for a long time, and arguably now I mean Frank, most of the relationships I'm very fortunate to say I've built have been long-standing relationships I mean I drove for Frank first in 2016 and actually he didn't really know me from Adam I was just he was a I was a recommendation I suppose and you know so here we are four years later still working together so what I've realized over the years and I'd learned this through my time at Stevenson and actually largely because of Andrew and with Andrew that you know I learned the importance of building the right relationships and getting a team that can gel properly yeah. together and so we had, can have all the skill sets but if we can't work together as a team and everybody pull in the same direction it's not going to work and I do honestly think that's been one of our strengths that we've harnessed that very well in the last 12 months and that's why we saw a great turnaround I'll get Andrew on in a second I want to ask you Frank a, a, another question before we, we swap the headset over you had such a a good year and a competitive year in a very competitive championship, by the way. Um, do you, and it, it, this this can be good, it can be dangerous. Do you set yourselves goals before you come to the first to the first race of the season? We don't have a specific goal set, but I think in in all of our minds, um, we think that uh, we have the potential to if everything falls in the right way i mean there's a lot of racing like robin says he doesn't believe in racing gods and racing luck but at the same time you kind of make your own luck and you have to not make mistakes and so if we don't make mistakes i think we feel like we have a very competitive car and that we we should be able to at least um um you know work toward a potential championship for the moment, Frank, thank you very much indeed. We'll swap that headset out with, with Andrew Davies, who's, who's with us. And I was with Andrew last night up at the Bramos collection uh, 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 as well. And you can hear some of uh, Andrew's thoughts from that in a special programme that we're putting together. And that will be on IMSA Radio RS2 during the uh, the weekend. We'll find a gap for that and we'll get it up there as a download uh, as well. Uh, third driver. It's never the easiest job to do, Andrew, is it? No, it's not. I think, you know, look, 15, even maybe 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been prepared or mentally I wasn't able to do this job. But now, you know, with the wealth of knowledge and experience I have, um, you know, I trust in my training. I trust in the years of experience. So I'm a plug and play guy. And it's really easy when I have a a, a program like this where I've got Robin involved and, and, you know, the trust of Frank and the rest of the team, you know, where they, they know I don't have to worry if I don't get extra laps. To be honest, if I don't drive until Friday afternoon when it's my stint, I don't have a problem. I know I'm going to go out there. I'm going to perform. Uh, you know, I love the car. I love the way that the team works together. So, yeah, that makes it uh, that does make it a difficult task, though, for the third driver because you can feel like an afterthought. But what I've learned over all these years is that's actually in your own head. 
Um, it's just the role that I actually play. You know, I'm not the one here to, to gobble up all the time on the track. You know, we have other things we have to work on. I trust in Robin and his ability to set up the car from our years since 2005 of driving together. You know, we have that just... When you were both very, very young, we should say. Yeah, very, very that's young right, yes. Bibs in arms. Or maybe he, we're just he old was, now. I was just a bit younger, but he was, <laughs> he was <laughs> very young. <laughs> so it's a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a role that I actually relish in. I like it, but it's because of the comfort. It's the way they, they bring me onto the team and give me that confidence to perform when I need to. And is the Camaro an easy car to get on with in terms of confidence building? I talked about confidence for, for Frank. It's a different type of confidence for a, for a pro driver who's got the experience, but you've still got to feel that the car's going to do what you want it to do, particularly in your position where you're not getting you know, the track time that it, as a, even as a pro you would really like. That's right. It, you know, Pratt Miller builds such a wonderful car. That really helps a lot. And also the years of experience I have in their equipment from 2008 on with Stevenson and then in the Z28 where Robin and I, you know, won our championship together in 15. Um, you know, so I know that I know the product and I trust the product. It's not necessarily an easy car to drive, but, uh, you know, once you get your head wrapped around it, it does what you want it to do, mm-hmm. but you do have to trust in the vehicle. And, and because of that, you know, I've been up to the factory up there in Michigan and, and you know, it, these guys know what they're doing. And obviously you see the products, all the products they put out yes. there. So it's a, it's a remarkable car. Uh, visibility can be a little challenging sometimes out of, I always joke, uh, you know, I hope those are apexes I'm running over out there on the track cause I can't see them, but, uh, you know, at my, uh, stature, or, you know, that's actually a problem for me in any sort of car. I don't actually have the best visibility out of anything at my height. Well, you get your booster cushion. It'll yeah, be fine. Right. It's that's funny right. you say that as well because, you know, I've found that problem driving pit down pit lane. It's very hard to see where the, where the back of the car in front of you is sometimes. Yeah, yeah, you may remember that from last year. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, heard, I've heard that, Robin. Um, we'll, we'll finish off because I know you guys have got things to do. And again, thank you very much for your time. Great to see you up here. And, and I, I was shocked to find that none of you have been up here before yeah. and get to Amazing. see the view that we, we've got here. Uh, you were one of one last year, Robin, with the Camaro. You're now one of three. There's another team out there, Ted Giovannis Motorsport. Effectively, one of the cars, it, it, the Plum guys with, with Joe Vardy back together, that's like Rumbum back together again. Does that help? Is it somebody else to aim for in terms of, uh, how does that work in terms of, you know, competitive teams, but are you working together with Platt and Miller? Uh, and does it help or hinder in terms of BOP as well? With IMSA obviously going to have three times the amount of data to, to work with, which, which, which might be a good thing. It, it, it might not be. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting question and it's, a very, it's an obvious but a good question. I think the, the reality is there's some pros and some cons to it. And, you know, you know me, I'm not going to give you a, necessarily a politically correct answer. The, d- the downside to it is, frankly, that, you know, last year we had the ability to uh, not to manipulate our BOP, but to at least control it to yes. a degree. When you're the only car out there, if you have a problem, I mean, you know, let's be honest, we, we know we're all we're all grown up. So if we have a problem and we lose time in the pits with a with a repair, as we did at Sebring and we're five laps down, I mean, guess what? I'm not going to go out there and start setting fastest laps because I'd no. just be an idiot if I did. Yeah. So and our car was good at Sebring last year. So in the end, that gave us the possibility to to manage that to a degree. There's no point in setting lap records. And to what Andrew alluded to, you know, we're also a team where arguably none of us have got anything to prove on an individual level. We know what we can do individually. We know what we can do collectively. So we just focus on the bigger picture. Now we've got another team, and I have to say, I mean, look, I'm a competitor. I love the competition. I love the racing. So having some other team that's got the same kit as us. I'm I'm actually very excited about that. I, I like that. It's going to keep us honest, and I like that honesty because I think as soon as you get a little bit comfortable in your own world or your own position, 
it's very easy to sort of look outside of that and go, well, you know, we haven't got this, we haven't got that, or it's the car, or it's the BOP, or whatever. We have, we now have to be honest. We got two good peddlers, or actually three good peddlers there with Ted, obviously, and you know, the team's a good team. They're one of the most established and most successful teams in this championship over the years. You know, Joe Vardy's a wily old fox. Oh, he knows he how ever. to win races. Easy ever. And so we have a very strong outfit there with good drivers. That's going to keep us honest. But I have to say, on my side. I mean, and not to, I don't want to make any rash predictions, but bluntly speaking, with our, with our crew and our driver lineup and everything else that we have going on, collectively under our awning, we have more knowledge, more experience and more success of this car and this platform and this deal than anybody else. So if we can't get this going forwards and being in a position where you can win races, well, then that's on us. Yeah. So, you, I mean, in point of fact, you know the car, as you say, so really they'll be shooting for you rather than you shooting for them. That's what you would think. The, the only thing I would say about that is, in some ways, there's a bit of a safety net there. Because if you're having a bad day and you can't get towards the front of the field and you're a second off or whatever, and they're a second off as well, you can go, well, thank God for that. It's well, that's us. what I mean. It's, it keeps you <laughs> honest, doesn't it? It does. And, but at the same time, you know, to your other question, or your other point is, you know, we are very, because we've worked with GM and Pratt and Miller over the years, we understand their bigger picture as well and what they're trying to do. And we're, you know, keen to continue redeveloping, if you like, that long relationship that a number of members of the team have had to continue that down that path. So we understand what they're looking for as much as we're a customer racing program. We also understand what they're looking for. And we can definitely, I mean, we've had conference calls already with the, t- with the two teams, with the, the key players in those two teams Smart. and Pratt and & Miller and GM to, to discuss our, our issues. And that will be a bi-weekly thing for the rest of the season. Oh, really? So we will, do, we will continue to do that on an ongoing basis so that we are sharing information. Of course, there's certain things that you're going to learn as a team. And that's your IPR. That's your knowledge and experience. You don't need to throw everything out there. But any issues that we have as car problems, or we would hope the same with them. I mean, they've also now got a Pratt & Miller engineer. So... In the end, that information sharing comes back. And as we've seen in the past, in years gone by, with, with that platform sharing, the, the whole program benefits. The thing is, if you can drive the whole program on, as you said, and, and Andrew, you know, there's 127 Mercedes out there. So, you know, and, and you know and I know that through what AMG do, there is, even if it's not named teams, that all of that information goes back. Somebody puts it on a spreadsheet somewhere and then that gets disseminated out to all of their customers. That's how customer racing works. So this makes perfect sense, doesn't it? That's right. I think you got to work together, you know, for the common goal. And, uh, yeah, I was actually speaking with, uh, with Matt Plum earlier today and, you know, that's, that's what I kind of reinforced with him. I was like, we work together now and then when it comes down to it, we race, you know, and that should be later on in the year for the championship battles and stuff like that. Of course, you race head-to-head. But the information sharing and just keeping everything on the level and working together, I think, is very, very important for the brand and for the teams individually. And when do we see, we see you this weekend here for the four? You're back for the, the second of the four-hour races That's in, correct. in Watkins yeah. Glen? Back at Watkins Glen as um, well. And what are you doing for the rest of the year? So the rest of the year, uh, I'll certainly be in the IMSA paddock you know, doing my driver Good. coaching with the IMSA Challenge Series, the Porsche GT3 Cup Series, uh, also in World Challenge as well or in the SRO Series. I'll be running over there in uh, the GT4 Cayman for GMG with my co-driver yeah. Jason back Bell. Back to Porsche. So yeah, back to Porsche which another brand that I've had lots of success with. So very excited about that. Very f- fortunate relationships I've had with, uh, with Chevy and Porsche and Audi. Uh, you know, I have to pinch myself very often. But uh, looking forward to that season with Jason Bell over there. We should be strong. Well, guys, you, as I said at the start of this, you were a true fan favorite last year. Your performances were outstanding. Uh, 
moment of the year, undoubtedly, at, at Road America. You've got to keep those tyres. You've got to keep those tyres. <laughs> they've, they've got to get mounted somewhere. Robin, well, Frank, Andre, thanks very much thank, indeed. Thank you very much. And thanks for all of your support, John, and all for all the, the guys listening out there. It's been a lot of fun. We've, we'll continue pushing, and we've certainly enjoyed ourselves over the last 18 months with this programme. All the best, fellas. Great stuff. Thanks, Thanks for coming up to see. Sorry to have had to keep you, keep you waiting. Uh, that's uh, Frank DePew along with Robin Littell and Andrew Davies out of the uh, out of the Rebel Rock Camaro. One of three Camaros this year, which certainly pleases Shea Adam, uh, who's going to jump in now as we rotate people through our booth uh, uh, as, as quickly as we can. Um, you like the look and the sound of those cars here, don't you? Uh, very much so. And to be honest, the only thing better than one Camaro from last year is now that we get three of them to listen to. So hopefully we'll be hearing them all throughout the course of laps. Uh, interesting to hear what the guys were saying there, uh, particularly about the the uh, particularly about the the atmosphere within the team and how important that is to get a uh, to get a to get a good atmosphere so that you can plug and play somebody like Andrew into it as well. Yeah, and, and for sure that's a, a winning part of the success is that you have to have people who can trust each other and rely on one another. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself in a situation where you might have everything else in place, but the chemistry just isn't there. And for them, that's something that really is built in. I mean, talking about the 2015 championship, and you remember Robin and Andrew just bouncing back and forth. We couldn't tell who was in the car without no. looking at timing because the car behavior was the same. Yeah. And the other point is, and we made this, we've had one practice session, we were looking at the 51 cars out there in the Michelin Pilot (laughs) Challenge. I mean, that's a shark pool out there. The competition is large, but it's deep. It's not as if half of those 30 or 38 uh, cars in GS are are, are make weights. I I mean, pretty 90% of those cars have got a chance of a top six finish, would you say? Uh, I would say 100% have a chance of a top six finish, maybe 90% have a chance of winning. Wow. It's that dramatic. Declan Brennan's joined us as well. Hello, Dex. John, how are you, man? Just tilt that mic up a tiny bit for him, Shay, if you don't mind. I got you, Dex. Uh, He's got to wrap around the... No, he's wearing his I'm headset. Weird. It's facing the wrong way. All right, okay. Swap it round for him, Shea, yep. while we uh, get that. There All we right. go. There you go. There you go. Right. Do uh, that. The, there you go. The Mission Pilot Challenge, Declan, has really come of age in, in two short years. The, the, the previous iteration of the championship was going pretty well, but last year, uh, as we look at what happened last year, and then we look at the 51 car entry, the majority of which seemed to be sticking around for the season. It's an extraordinary championship. It's the best GT4 championship in the world, and I'll fight anybody who says differently. It is. It's the best. You look at British GT, GT4 there, which I do watch, any of the Cravantic across Europe, uh, this is stacked. Well, we had a long chat with Creelsey last week uh, in a sort of preview about the Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 hours. And, and GT4 just hasn't caught fire in Australia. Here it has. Yeah. And, it, and it's done so with, you know, with, with, with bells on it. But you know what? You have to give massive props to... If I didn't have a headset covering my hat, I would take my hat off to IMSA. Because... We had six cars in 2016 when, when, when I was at CJ Wilson Racing and we had, uh, we had 33% of the grid with two cars. There were six cars. It wasn't fully GT4, but it was... Cause don't that re- was the don't, transition, yeah. yeah don't yeah. forget, we ran a car that w- before the MR yeah. came and it was actually not even an actual GT4 car. But they stuck with it. Nobody panicked. And the message filtered through and people realised that the platform was unbelievable. 
uh, it's it's not cheap. It is not a cheap form of racing. Those Mercedes, for example, are staggeringly, eye-wateringly expensive cars. But they can be driven. The guys like Frank can drive them. Confidently. Can, yeah, can get a it. lot out yeah. of them. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of support in the paddock now. And, and that and the addition of TCR means the category is we're getting back to... We had 63 cars back in 14 and 15. Would that be about right? And maybe more. Even going back a few years back to the Grand Am days, I think we got over 60 here. But so at 51, and with a nice spread between GT4 and, and TCR, the, the, the package is now amazing. And four hours on Friday. My God. If you're, if you're a... Like for for your Europeans particularly because it's they get home from work and it's five o'clock and the race is just starting and they have a four hour race to watch. Yeah, I'm right. actually quite jealous of them because I'll be working. Okay? I won't get to enjoy it. Hopefully, you're envious. Uh, but it is an, it's amazing. Hats off to IMSA and it, uh, they need to just what they need. There's a couple of things. BOP is important. They need to make sure that the playing field remains level and it gives people again like Frank the opportunity to enjoy himself to race hard chance to win yep. and just you know people Frank and the other AMs are here to have fun and to be competitive you know and you, you have to give them the opportunity to do that you can't push it in a way that, that makes it no fun for them Thanks for bringing the guys up. No problem. That's have my a, job. Have a good season. Jetland uh, Brennan with the guys from Rebel Rock Racing, Frank Dupu, uh, as well as Andrew Davis, and, of course, the inimitable Robin Liddell. He speaks nothing but the truth and sense, does Liddell. It's never time wasted when I talk to him. And we didn't even have any blather about all Peugeots, uh, which is pretty good. Uh, Shea's staying, staying with us. Uh, and uh, just a final couple of comments about Pilot. Uh, Pilot Challenge, we've we've seen the cars out there already. It looked fantastic. There's some great liveries. Uh, 18 TCRs. Uh, all right, we haven't got the Volkswagens, and we know that Volkswagen and Audi are, are not supporting TCR in the way that they did, but there's some good teams still with the with the Audi uh, RS3. We've got Hyundai's a go-go, uh, and, and Honda's a go-go. I mean, it's... The Hyundai, what have they been doing? I mean, we should really be calling it the Hyundai Rabbit because they've bred like that over the over the winter time. An extraordinary array of cars from Brian Hurt and Motorsport, and now their customers. Yeah, and we've got um, Forty Seven Motorsport, a team that we know from the LMP3 ranks, coming in with two brand new cars for the start of this season. They run cars well. They do run cars well. They know how to win, and they know how to come in and make a serious statement. But the the more impressive thing, Don, is in TCR. How many teams do we have running three drivers for the four-hour race? That would be none. Mm. They're all doing two drivers because the drivers in that category want the seat time. And just to pick up really quick off what uh, the guys before were saying and what Dex was saying in particular about trying to make it fair for all of the non-professional drivers, Michelin Pilot Challenge really has the GS class. It's become the perfect spot for bronze drivers. Yes, That's the perfect That's stepping point. stone. So if you don't feel like you're ready for GTD, you feel like maybe TCR is a little bit too competitive, because quite frankly it is, you go into GS. You get a really good gold driver with you, and then you can go out and win the championship. If, if, if I had the wherewithal, that's where I'd race. Exactly. And, and I wouldn't want to necessarily move up. I'd be quite happy racing in Pilot Challenge, because I think that's a, it's a nice spread of, of races. Just to prove for life, it's 4-1-2-1 and 0-2. Uh, two of those have finished. The last one, uh, not quite. Uh, Let's go back to Tim in London. It's Midweek Motorsport, Series 15, Episode 3. We're in Daytona. He's up in London. What have you got for us, Tim? Uh, first of all, is Declan still there? 
No. Nope. Uh, I was going to say Happy New Year to him. But uh, I'll have to wait until There's no time for some that. other time. I also forgot to say Happy New Year to uh, both Ben and Jeremy. Yeah. Ben and Jerry. Ben and Jerry. <laughs> well done. I'm sure you'll be able to stretch that all the way into February if you if you try hard. Well, we'll have uh, Ben back uh, after the Monty maybe or maybe uh, just before Rally Sweden so we can wish him a Happy New Year then. And uh, I'm sure Declan will return throughout the year. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. At Speculatement, if you want to get in touch with us, hello to Alan Prosser, to John Adamo, uh, and to Wright Turnover. He says, uh, have examples of TCR and GT4 cars in the Meepy char. Oh, I like that. My pie char. Mission and Pilot Challenge. Uh, be all been to the raw, unlike uh, the last couple of years. I think there was... It's. It, I should say RTL. It's not mandatory for every car to come but I think we do have to have one from each of the manufacturers if it's a new car um, there wasn't that much new this year but I, I think at the Raw that was oh, I wasn't here but you were it was pretty well attended for, for the pilot challenge it, it? it was a very good attendance um, as we mentioned in the session earlier for PA we were talking a little bit about some of the teams that have expanded we had some teams that didn't yet have their new cars for the Roar so they couldn't run necessarily all the cars or in the case of Core, couldn't run at all because they didn't have didn't their have Aston Martin car, yet. Yeah. But there was an Aston Martin here from Automatic Racing, so I'm pretty sure that every car in the Michelin Pilot Challenge, at the very least, that is going to run in the race was represented at the yeah, Roar. I agree. Dipper said, did the Battle 12 hour literally catch fire? Really? I said, no, it didn't. I said, it didn't. I said, the GT4s have never really caught fire uh, down there. Dave oh, Alcock, I'm sure one has. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, Dave Alcock says, you've got to give him some credit. I'm with the guys. The Michelin Pilot Challenge, great series, either as a standalone or as a developmental series. Fabulous racing that would do credit to any headline event for most organising bodies. And it can be a great stepping stone to WeatherTech. Other series organisers take notes can't can't disagree uh, with that 25 minutes or thereabouts to go thanks for sticking with us tonight we're at Daytona uh, live coverage starting from here uh, early morning local time on Thursday depending on when it is that's tomorrow now but uh, weather forecast alright a little bit overcast slight chance of rain in the afternoon uh, but a very busy day tomorrow and we'll welcome uh, Jamie Howe to the team so she'll join uh, Jeremy and Johnny and John and Shay thanks so, so tomorrow do you feel is left out by not having a name beginning with a J Shay no no I, I don't I'm quite happy to be my own person even your middle name doesn't start with a J no it doesn't no it starts with an also, L also Shay are, you, are you feeling appeased uh, oh uh, no no I'm not Formula One has failed then. Why? Well, they've made a whole load of concessions to the schedule for the Miami Grand Prix and the track layout for the Miami Grand Prix in a bid to appease Florida residents. Oh, yes. I did see a little bit about this earlier. Um, They've changed the tracks that they no longer have to close off Northwest 199th for people to be able to take their kids to school in the morning. I heard heard Shay talking about this earlier and she went, hang on, let me have a look at this. (sighs) Oh, yeah, you see, there's the tennis courts and and it's like... Yeah, it's really good to talk to somebody who's actually driven around those streets. Yeah, and the biggest problem that I still have, Tim, and to 
put this in the best radio possible terms, they've basically built a racetrack through a parking lot around a stadium. Which, which, which in itself is all right. Which in itself is fine. But there is no subsequent place to park around the stadium. And the stadium is in a really, really not good neighborhood. So where are you going to leave the cars for the tens of thousands of expected guests and spectators and paddock visitors? I mean, no one. It, it's going to be a bit like Brazil in one sense. People aren't going to want to leave their cars in certain places. Park and ride from further afield. How far away would you have to go? Far. Uh, where the stadium is, um, I, I did put up the picture on social media a long time ago, uh, coming in and landing with Miami way off in the background, and then the stadium off sort of on the border between Miami-Dade and Broward counties. It's west. It's so far west, as a matter of fact, that to get to it, you have to go onto the turnpike, which is the toll road that runs mm-hmm. up the middle of Florida. Um, you're not quite out to the Everglades line when you're at the stadium, but you're not far off of okay. it. And so saying Miami is stretching it a bit. It's in Miami, Miami Dade County. Lie. It's in Miami Dade County. Just yes, uh, and right. uh, okay. it, it's on the border with Broward. Today, uh, the county commissions are meeting to decide uh, whether or not, uh, and this is something that is being voted for, to remove the permission for the stadium to host motorsport events. Ooh. Oh. See, now that's big, because if they have permissions to host motorsport events, potentially they could take Monster Jam away from the BB&T Center, which is in Broward County, and that's a pretty big moneymaker for them. Miami-Dade, the the Hard Rock Stadium, is an open-air venue, so that would almost be a better place for something like Monster Jam. If they take away all motorsport, then you lose that potential revenue option, Mm -hmm. too. So this, we want to host an F1 race, could really backfire in their faces. Right, okay. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. They have also yeah. uh, uh, said that uh, free practice on uh, the Friday won't start until after 3 p.m. Uh, okay. Um, and again, so that uh, Miami-Dade, collect their very reliable for, for raining at 3.30 in the afternoon. Yep. So that's a great plan. But it may just mean you can get this, the kids back, which is nice. Are you going to have to drive on the track to do that? Is that what they're saying, Tim? That the, the, the track won't be closed and people will be able to drive across the track to go and get their kids from school and then drive back out again and then they'll close the track? I believe so, yes. A bit no, like with the, with the But, without, but <laughs> not, with the school. Not, not quite. The area that they're talking about, northwest 199th, um, it, it would be part of the runoff and where the safety vehicles would be staged. So oh. it's just on the outside of the track but they would need to close it down because they can't there's not enough room for cars to be able to go through and the tire barriers and all that to be there Hmm. they could just get all the school kids to watch the practice session couldn't they they wouldn't do that they would be bored well i'm sure there'll be some noise issue as well Uh, all right we're heading towards the last 20 minutes of the show live from daytona imza starting thursday morning tomorrow morning on rs2 with the mission pilot challenge our feature race of course is the rolex 24 daytona saturday into sunday and we've got time to do a bit about that tim or do you want to throw us anything else got a couple more formula one stories before we uh, leave that um which formula one driver has admitted that he's getting older well, all of them, because mm. none of them are getting younger or standing still. Well, no, that this is has true, to be one of the youngsters. One of them has admitted it. Lando Norris? No, he's definitely not oh. getting Max any Verstappen. older. He's tiny. 
Uh, Max Verstappen. Getting older doesn't mean that you're getting taller. You said uh, getting older, not taller. Well, uh, Lando's age, it should. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I see what you mean. Uh, Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton's correct. Uh, he said, oh. uh, although he feels fitter than ever, uh, he expects his physical form to tail off at some point in the future. Can I, while we're still on F1, this has just popped into the speculatement uh, Twitter sphere. Uh, Jean Chauvet, and it made me giggle. An armada of soccer moms in SUVs actually may deliver more entertainment than F1. Just a <laughs> thought. Well, certainly than an F1 practice session. You might be right, Jean, but you said that, not me. Uh, Alan Prosser said, um, if you want to have a Grand Prix in an area that is featured in a Louis Theroux documentary, it's probably not a good area. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hello to Chris Suku, who's just uh, finished the Design and Engineering Heads post-audit dinner uh, and savouring the podcast as dessert, he says. Late EFAs. Uh, right, so why is why is Lewis talking about getting older then? Well, because he is. Well, like I said, we all are. But what particularly has prompted that? Is he is he getting his excuse? There's no excuse. He's still going to win the championship. So he doesn't have to get his excuses out first. Maybe he's thinking about uh, what happens after Mercedes leave Formula One. Mm. Yes. Yeah, we had a good uh, chat about that. The what other else week, have we yeah. learnt this week in Formula One? We've learned. I don't know, actually. We've learned uh, what numbers everyone will be using. Oh, oh have yeah. we? Right. I, I I knew that was coming, but I have to say I missed it. Any any major changes, Tim? No. Right. <laughs> Just one addition. There's only one new driver, and everyone has kept uh, their numbers from last year if they're not a new driver. And the new driver being? Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah. <laughs> Queen Latifah. And so what number has uh, has Queen Latifah taken? Oh, I, no, I saw this. This is a quite a famous uh, Fam- team awful. Famous, uh, yes. Uh, as Williams previously number. used by uh, Ricardo Patrese. Mm. Yeah, Nelson Piquet. Nelson Piquet and Nico Rosberg. Oh, really? Rosberg oh. as well? Okay, so that's number six so on all, the All, all on the Williams. Williams number twos have been number six. <laughs> I, I And I've heard he's already said, I'm not a number, I am a free man. One for the old one, generation. One for the there. Jonathan Palmer sitting next to you there. Yeah. He just <laughs> chirped in, and me, from the do, background. Do you like that, that, that Johnny? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Johnny's just giving us a thumbs up from up on high uh, on the uh, on the management level. He's on the management level uh, here. Any more for F one? Uh, no, there's nothing else of any note happening in Formula One at the moment. Uh, just before, I mean, we have said that they're not going to give any circuit data to the teams, so that there's an element of surprise for them when they turn up. I kind of like that. It's a nice idea, isn't It'd it? It'd be better if if it's better if they just went straight into qualifying. Yeah. No, race first, then qualify, no, no, no. then practice. No, you can do qualifying. You go qualifying first, yeah. then you can do two sessions of practice, and then you can race. Yep. And that, I think that would work really well at a new track. That would be hilariously funny. Um, but they've got banking, so that's all that matters. But they have to do it like IMSA style, where the car leaves the pit lane and you can't touch, touch it again. It. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, just qualifying is just out. Yeah. Look, off, 15 off minutes the truck, to go. Go. Yeah. Um, well, there was something else I was going to say there about uh, Formula One and it, and and Sandforth. launch dates. No, fourteenth no. for it's Valentine's Day for Mercedes, isn't it? 
Yes, racing point of Ferrari have announced their dates. Uh, Ferrari on the 11th, I believe. Racing point again to the on the Jackie's 17th. Miss Jax. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, Miss Jax. Uh, the, the what was the other thing I was going to talk about when you were talking about uh, Sandford? Yeah, it's going to me head. Doesn't matter. Um, the when does when does F1 testing start, Tim? It can't be that far away. We're about two weeks away. Yeah, thought so. All right. I know there's going to be a bit of televised part of that as well, depending on where you are uh, in the world. We've got uh, one IndyCar announcement as well this week. Mm-hmm. Charlie Kimball will be racing for AJ Foyt. Mm. For the full season. Full season? Yep. Mm. Whoa. Yeah. That's quite a shock because Charlie uh, stepped away from full season competition. When was it? Last year when he didn't have a ride. And good for Charlie. I'm happy he's back. He's a nice guy. He's one of Jeremy's boys. Yes. Team USA. And he yep. did the judging with us in 2012. Yep. We were sitting there, and he had his hand in a cast and needed that's, help that's to write out his right. forms. Yeah, he couldn't write the numbers down. Exactly. How much are you giving this guy? Four. Really? That no, just, just looks like badly. a stick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looks like a small dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport, uh, and we're live at Daytona. At least Cheer Johnny uh, and myself are. Tim's back up in London, of course. It's uh, it's not cleared at all. It's still overcast here. Beautiful uh, full coverage here. over the weekend. Oh, of course there is when I'm not there. Uh, full coverage over the weekend on RS2 with all of the uh, mid, the two major series. No Ferrari coverage from us the, the, this weekend. They do their own thing. Uh, but we will be having Mission Pilot uh, from tomorrow morning, first thing local time. And, of course, all of the sessions for the WeatherTech Championship. And I know there's been some changes to how things work in terms of the sound and vision, but if you're outside of the US, there's no change. Keep on uh, going to either imza.tv, the IMSA app, or the player at uh, radiolamont.com, radio-show.co.uk, and it will be exactly the same. So that will be qualifying and the whole race live for WeatherTech and the whole race live for Michelin Pilot challenge those of you in canada again there's been chat about this um you won't get the uh, weather tech because you've got a tv deal there which i think is velocity uh, but you will be able to get on the international feed the pilot challenge uh, so again that's no change from last year we've compiled and and thanks to the guys at the it department at imsa we've compiled a list and it will be posted up on the uh, Radio Show Limited listeners collective. Already, is it already? Oh. Right, the geo blocks are there, which are blocked. And basically, it's Latin yeah. America apart from Chile. Huh. And and that's about it. Um, and for some reason, for this re- Japan for this weekend only, and New Zealand. Yes, correct. Hmm. Right. Only one Japanese driver and three New Zealand drivers. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So sorry about that if you're in one yeah. of those company, companies, but, but that is out of our control. TV coverage. Well, yes, that, the, the only reason that that would be done was because there would be some kind of broadcast TV coverage. And, uh, and, was, and whatever happens, of course. some countries which have broadcast TV country, com- coverage, but no geo-blocking, for example, France. Yes, so France I noticed that as well. France is a really good place to be because you can get the best of both worlds. I... Uh, mm. uh, 
Uh, and don't forget, wherever you are, you can always listen to the radio coverage because that's not geo-blocked everywhere. As Eve always says, it's the democracy of radio. There are 13 French drivers in the race. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so, in the last 10 minutes, do we do a bit of weather tech now? Or have you got anything yeah, else to do? Yeah, do some weather tech now. Hooray! Hooray! In Nick's honour. Yeah, in Nick's, Nick We've not with us this week. He's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's in Spain uh, where he would be able to watch it on the... Uh, Gotta on the international page again. Uh, I think it's two Spanish drivers. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, three. three, three Spanish drivers. Okay, fine. Yep. Uh, the weather tech then at the weekend. We we mentioned it was the smallest field ever. We think that uh, before we were rudely cut off in our prime, we think that seventy four was the biggest mm. uh, field ever. And seventy four cars, not nineteen seventy four. Yes. Yes. Um, although it was, I think, in it was in the two thousands. Yeah. Or late nineties. Yeah. Um, or one, I think, uh, Johnny says. Yeah. Uh, let's go through. We went through some of this with Jeremy. Um, so I don't want to go over the same ground, but from, from your point of view, you spoke to most of the drivers. A lot of excitement around Corvette uh, and a new driver. New, well, there's actually a couple new drivers, technically speaking. Nick Katzberg is a completely new driver to Corvette Former Racing. BMW. Former BMW. He has run a Corvette at Le Mans before, though. He ran with Larbra a couple oh, years back. Oh, yes. So he's not a total stranger to the platform, but he is the new endurance driver for the number three. Well, he's a total stranger to this platform because it's a new platform. Exactly. Mm. But they all are, in yeah, a sense. Yeah. Um, the number three will be shared full season by Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor. Now, is that the green one or the, uh, the, gray one or the yellow one? Yellow. Right. Yellow Corvette. So this duo of Garcia and Taylor is a new one as a duo. They've driven together as a trio before. Jordan's been the endurance driver for them. Very famous to the finish at Aston Martin with 2017. Jordan was behind the wheel of the Corvette at the time. At Le Mans. Yes, when yeah. the brakes decided not to cooperate anymore. Why did that brake change one lap too soon? Ugh, still hurts. Sorry, breathing. Um, so <laughs> that is one situation. In the four car, which is the silver one, that is the only trio of drivers who have won this race together in the entire 38-car field. So you think about all the lineups we have, no other driver pairing has won the 24 hours together, which mm. is pretty remarkable because we have drivers across the field who have won. There's only one other car where all four of the drivers have won. They did not do it together. And that was Wayne Taylor Racing, the Conic Minolta Cadillac, which is useful for you later on, ah, given okay. the people you'll be speaking to. That, that's very good. Uh, Porsche, a bit of a shake-up in, in, in the structure there as well. Patrick Pele has been replaced, effectively. He, he's been faffed. Actually, because yes. he has moved to the FAF car for this weekend, the nine, making his GTD debut. The driver with the most GT Le Mans wins, no longer competing in that category. Tandy was one short of Pile because Pile got the win at Lime Rock with Dirk Werner in the debut season of the old car. New car is here. You've got Pile with, well, Pile back in the GTD. You've got um, Makovecki back full season with Nick Tandy. Last time Mako did a full season was with Bamber in the 912, so he has not done a full season since then. This will be the first was that time. Three years ago. That was 2016. Was it? Yes. Wow, so okay. for this opportunity, this is the first time that Mac is going to be going back to some of the same tracks for a second or third time because he's done Sebring, Daytona, and Petite every year. But you think about it, the last time he was at the Glen was 2016. So that's a big difference. They've got Matty Campbell joining them as the endurance driver. Very important. And then in the other car, no change whatsoever. No. It's still Bamthor with Jam Jam. Yeah. 
and they're already in good form. Uh, the Daytona 24 in 2001, 86 cars qualified, wow. 79 cars started. Palmer's been wow. uh, doing some research. Thanks, well GP, done, uh, for that. Um, I, I talked to Bamthor uh, at, at the Brimos Collection last night and uh, one of the pre-event uh, evenings that Porsche do, which I thoroughly enjoy doing. And, and those two have got... They've got a really good rapport with each other in and out of the car. They're genuine friends. Yeah, they really are. They really are. And it's, I'm not going to spoil it. It's worth a listen. We'll get that on um, RS2 IMSA Radio uh, over the weekend, ideally tomorrow in one of the gaps. Not a huge amount of gaps tomorrow. We've got a pretty long lunch break, so we'll, we'll squeeze some content in there, and that'll be part of it. Hurley Haywood's in that show as well. Uh, worth a listen. It was good fun and a lot of good information. So I, I, I won't... I won't spoil that for for you all. Uh, no forwards, of course. No forwards, but we still do have a very competitive GTLM class. The BMW, the only race that they won last year was hey, this yeah. race, 364 days from checkered flag. So that's going to be a long window for them. Uh, can I tell you something? Yes. From Bobby Rahal down at RLL Racing, Rahal Letter Melanigan Racing, they're not happy with that. No. No, no one's happy with the four podia acquired between the two cars last year. That is not their standards. I think they'll come. I think they're going to come out all guns blazing. Completely. Uh, right. Jens Markart was having breakfast in the same place that we were having our breakfast meeting uh, this morning, and he was. There's been. There's clearly been. Um, some serious thinking that's gone on. Now they haven't got the WAC team anymore, so it's all now. All the focus is on. The IMSA cars, uh, and, and do you know what? I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. He 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 was, he looked steely and determined. I only spoke to him very briefly this morning, but um, he, he there was a a quiet air of confidence. He'd been sitting in his car for quite a long time, uh, talking, uh, having a, a conference call, and then when he came in for breakfast, I had a quick word with him. And as I say, there was a steely confidence about him. The yes, Mark, by the way, is there at BMW Motorsport. For those yes, very know. well put. Um, they are the only car in GTLM with four drivers. Everyone else is running three. Oh, so the two BMWs with stack lineups, you've got Edwards and Crone for the full season, joined by Chazzy Mostert and Augusto Farfus, winner last year. Great to have Chazzy. Great to have Chaz. And um, I think he's going to be one. I can't remember, actually. Um, but in the other car, Connor Filippi full season with Bruno Spengler, his third different full season co-driver in, in, three, in three years, years. with Alex Sims and uh, Tom Blomqvist coming before that, joined by Colton Herta and Philip Ang. Very strong driver lineups, but the one that everybody keeps forgetting about is Reese. They were fastest at the Roar qualifying. Between the two drivers, they were .09 of a second off the fastest lap time, which was the fastest in GTLM by a bunch, but there were only two of them at the Roar. They didn't bring their... Uh, well, sorry, Reese running four drivers, too. They didn't bring their other two drivers. So it's going to be a change. And, for, who, and who are the four drivers? Um, it's also Davide Regon yep. and Alessandro Pierguidi. So right. you're not talking about four slackers, four no, no. factory guys from Ferrari. But two of them didn't run at the Roar. So what kind of an impact is that going to have They on get them? the early sessions. They'll be up to speed. They know the car. No, 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 they will And be. they've raced here before. They have. But the amount of laps turned by, I think it was Sarah, was, by himself, was close to the most, it was more than any other driver during the roar on their own. He turned wow. more than 100 laps on his own. Wow. So a lot of use from that one driver. Was there any indication at all from the guys at Racy if this was going to be more than 
a, a one-off or a cherry-picking season. They did this last year, and then they came to Petite, of course, and won yes. Petite. Jenny, yes, did yes, win a yes, they did. Sorry, so Confused many years blend into one. They're a fan favourite. Yes. We've said this before. Even within, you know, even within their own class, they're everybody's favourite second team. If if you know, if I'm not going to win, uh, then I wouldn't mind Racy winning because they're such a nice set of guys, and 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 people like to have the Ferrari there. The they've become the new Falcon, in effect, John. Everybody uh-huh. cheers for them, um, but. The genuine answer to that is the people who work for the team don't know. They've said that a full season entry is a lot less expensive than cherry picking entries. And they've had that discussion with the guy who Mm. writes the check. But this is a single entry for this race. We'll find out more at Sebring if they do turn up. But last year, they finished second in the race when the red flag came out. Should have been third because the Ford shouldn't have pitted. But, you know, let bygones be bygones. It all depends on how this goes. Uh... Other things that uh, we need to keep an eye on. Uh, we mentioned with Jeremy the LMP2 field, which is five cars. Could have been as many as seven. Uh, G- GTD, we've been through most of the the uh, talking points there. Except, of course, that uh, Ian Vassar Sullivan have a, have a guy in their car who knows his way around here, although not necessarily the road course. What, Shane Van Gisbergen? Yes. You should see him try and get in the car. He still does it head first, by the no way. way. Every, oh, it cracks me up. Yeah, they've uh, they've got the reigning NASCAR champion in their car, the 14 being driven by Parker Chase, Jack Hawksworth, and, you know, Kyle Busch, along with Michael DeCasada. Got to give Michael credit. Mm-hmm. Won this race in 2017 with Allegra. But Kyle doing this race for the first time in more than a decade. Very likable, by the way. I really enjoyed my interview with him and meeting him. He has an insatiable love for racing. He doesn't care what it is. He wants to drive it. So when they said... He'd race you around the supermarket pushing a trolley. Oh, no, I'm sure he is right now. I'm sure that's where he is. And by the way, there'd be some side-by-side rubbing on oh, that as well of course yeah and that's one of the things i asked him was how are you not going to hip check people as they come by and try and pass you if they're yeah, a faster yeah, yeah. car um but it's one of those things that the star power of this race this year people keep talking about 38 entries only 38 entries okay great but guess what 35 of them have a realistic shot at winning their class and i can't remember the last time that we had legitimate entries like that there's nobody here who's starting in parking and there's nobody here who you'd expect to be dropped out of the race by 12 hours that in itself is remarkable uh, somebody sent a tweet into aspect attainment earlier on uh, and I'm, I'm just going back to it yeah uh Ella filipponi says i'm not a fan of this talk about the field size this year the negative talk is yeah. what they're saying there. Um, nearly every car has a real chance of winning their class, in my eyes, and that's going to be extraordinary to watch how that unfolds. And I, and I think that's the point, isn't it? Listen, we can't be complacent. IMSA won't be complacent. We'll, we'll get a hold of the new man at the top, President Doonan. And that just sounds good. It does, doesn't it? Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll get a hold of John. And, you know, you know and I know that he will say, you know, we're not happy about it. And we are working towards it. I, I've got a feeling that some news is going to break later this week that's going to set things, set Joe's uh, 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 tongues a wagging, rather. Uh, and that might make people look at what we have here slightly differently uh, over the weekend. And But that said, 39, it's not great. It's not, it's not a disaster. It isn't a disaster. Now, 
if we if if we have on lap two a pile up and we lose seven or eight cars, <laughs> yeah, th- then it starts to oh well, that's going to look a bit thin. Yeah, okay, fine. But you know, and I know around here, because of the multi-class system, it's not it's not like only having five cars out there racing because there's only five LMP two cars or what have we got nine. DPIs? Nine. Nine DPIs. If nine DPIs were out there on their own, then, you know, that would look a bit thin, but they're not. And they're having to make overtakes. They're having to go past the other classes. The other classes are having to make room for them. Eight. Eight, okay. Um, you, as soon as I said that, you weren't sure, were you? Yep. Um, but, you know, because they're all together, not only are there class battles to look at, but there's action and, and concentration. The, the, the guys from... Um, AVS were, were doing a documentary this weekend, which I can't wait to see. And for some reason, they decided they want me in it. And <laughs> they asked about this place. And I said, for me here, it's about the concentration because the closing speeds are quite high on some of the slower classes because of the speeds on the banking uh, and the amount of cars you pass per lap here. Not for position, but you, you could pass 10 or a dozen cars easily on a lap. Around here. Sure, it's a bit like Forza when you're yeah. doing a challenge. And yeah, it yeah. says, how many cars can you pass in two laps? Well, yeah. put me at Daytona in a DPI and let's have fun let's, with this. Let's have a go at it. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that you sort of can't believe what goes on out there, particularly at night. It, it gets to be completely mesmerizing with all the lights. But the, the thing that I'm most interested in, John, is there's been some talk, well, what if the DPIs all crash? What if all eight <sighs> of them have an issue? What if the LMP2s all have What issues? if a spacecraft comes down and beams us all up? Exactly. Giant fluffy cat walks across the track and just starts swatting cars off. Anything mm. could happen. Could a GT car wind up on the overall podium? Sure. Has it happened before? Sure. But not in a long time. All right. Um, Mission Pilot Challenge already been out on the track. FP1 already available as a podcast thanks to Tim's hard work back up in London. And before we say goodbye from Daytona, he offers this. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about Ferrari uh, saying that they wanted to uh, get more female drivers into the Ferrari Academy? I'm Va- available. Vaguely. Um, and That's not your more, course, yeah. Um, I mean, mean any at all. Yes. Well, uh, since our last uh, show, they have appointed two new drivers to the Ferrari Academy. And they are? Uh, Roll of the drums? One of them actually uh, has this uh, jingle. It is I, Leclerc. (laughs) Ah. Not Charles, obviously, but uh, No, that's his younger brother. Yeah, Arthur, Arthur uh, younger brother. Uh, young brother, yeah. uh, and also a, um, a man who uh, was uh, given uh, Sweden's equivalent of Young Driver of the Year at the weekend. Ah, Dino Biganovic. Also not a girl. No. So uh, Ferrari so doing really good at this. Ferrari doing very well at uh, increasing the number of female no, drivers no, in the Ferrari Tim, Academy. Tim, all they're trying to do is get value and longevity out of that press release saying we really must try harder to get more female drivers in the academy because if then the week after they had appointed two female drivers they would have had no coverage for that press release at all what they actually mean Uh, is uh, we want to try really hard to comply with Italian labour law 
Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. Uh, join us for the rest of the weekend here from uh, Daytona. It's a mad, busy few weeks. Next week, midweek motorsport. All things being equal, and the technical gods smiling on us, uh, we should be. I at least should be talking. Actually, no, we all should be. I won't uh, be. in the press room. No, you won't be. You'll still be up in London because that's that's the right way of the thing. Um, that's what all is right with the world at that point. Uh, we should be in the press room at Mount Panorama. But before that, we've got a small matter of 28 hours of racing this weekend, plus the attendant practice and qualifying sessions. And it's all on RS2 IMSA Radio. We'll be back next week, 8 o'clock your time. I've, I've no... It's 6 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock in the morning where I'll be. But, you know, that doesn't matter. I always like doing that show because it kicks me off into the, into the thought of, of race week. Uh, have a smashing weekend and I hope you can join us for some of it. Remember, no changes to the international feed in sound and vision and if you are in the States, the only place you can get full, live, free, uninterrupted commentary from Trackside is on IMSA Radio. Uh, no time to explain, uh, the llamas off for dinner. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.